Now, I want you to remember that no bastard ever won a war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. Men, all this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. You know, by God, I actually pity those poor bastards we're going up against. By God, I do. We're not just going to shoot the bastards. We're going to cut out their living guts and use them to grease the treads of our tanks. We're going to murder those lousy Hun bastards by the bushel. There's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home. And you may thank God for it. Thirty years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asks you, what did you do in the great World War II? You won't have to say, well, I shoveled in Louisiana. All right, now you sons of bitches, you know how I feel. Well, I will be proud to lead you wonderful guys into battle anytime, anywhere. Girl, that's why you don't know. No, my dad tortured me with horror movies when I was younger. I'm going to call your dad right now. We're going to give him what for? I probably did watch it and I just erased it from my memory. All right, that is George C. Scott in his Oscar winning performance. That's, that's Angus's grandfather. Superman isn't brave. That's Angus's grandfather in the opening sequence to one of the greatest films ever made. That Francis. was uh, originally intended to be at the beginning of the second half after true? the intermission. Yeah, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Francis Ford Coppola's Patton. It is that it is the best opening sequence in the history of film. I mean, a lot of times on the show we're sort of given the hyperbole. We talk about something being the best this or the greatest that or the most wonderful something or other. No lie. I mean, Tim, let me ask you this right now. As a, as a film aficionado and an actor yourself, 
Can you think of a better opening scene in the history of American film? Oh. I mean, it's it. It's it's just... I mean, I'm not giving anything. Wait, you heard about half of it there? It's seven minutes. It starts on just this huge close-up of an American flag filling the screen. And then you realize it's the backdrop on, like, a, a sort of stage. And Patton just walks out on stage, and the entire opening seven minutes is him talking to you as though you're a soldier in the crowd. You don't see anybody else. It's like per first-person perspective. And it is though you're sitting there, and he's addressing you. And he does that whole thing about, you know, Americans play to win all the time. And we're going to murder those lousy Huns by the bushel. It's just so great. I mean, it's like seven and a half minutes, and it's, it's gripping. I mean, it gives you chills. I mean, it, it, it's just so well written, so well acted. Well, parts of that were from a real speech that he gave before the Third Army landed in Normandy in uh, in early July or June or July of 1944. Is that true? And most of the things he said are real quotes, but not all of them were said at the same time. Well, because let's have let's have no illusions about this. That the real George S. Patton, while brilliant, was also crazy. Yeah. I mean, George S. Patton was uh, George Patton is. Uh, I mean, one of the greatest military leaders in American history, maybe in world history, and I think also by most rational uh, accounts is a psychopath. And came from money. <laughs> is that true? Like, I didn't from know a that. very wealthy Santa Barbara plan. See, I wouldn't have thought that. I thought he would have been a young sort no. of scrapper from the streets. Oh, no. No, he came from money. Oh, yeah. No, he was nuts. Uh, he's brilliant, but full-on screaming crazy. I mean, you sort of, you know, you read back about those guys, you know, some of the great military leaders of world history that were, they had a genius for it, but they're also very unhinged. One thinks Napoleon, one thinks Hannibal, perhaps, one thinks Leonidas. Uh, but Americans kind of had their own version of that, and his name was George Patton, so. And John Wayne wanted that part so bad, but they turned him down. Well, but John Wayne would have been terrible. Yeah. Now, John Wayne would have done that, film would have been an abortion. That wouldn't have worked. So at that point when that film came out, we were actually losing a war. Oh, yeah. So it was like a big a pep rally. Really. I mean, you know, it, it has nothing. And that's the thing is, regardless of ideology, regardless of how you feel about this war, past wars, any war, I mean, you watch that and you're just like, yeah. I mean, you're ready to go home and fix a bayonet to something. I can't even imagine. Did you see it in the theater? Yes. What was the vibe like? Well, I saw it. Uh, it Where'd was a you reissue. See? Oh, okay. So what? Yeah, what it what, was years later in Massachusetts. I cannot even. What year did that come out? Seventy-two. Seventy. 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 So we were actually in and uh, in Vietnam and losing in Vietnam. I might add. Uh, oh yeah, it, it was over and done with. I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine what it must have been like in 1970 in this country, pre-Watergate, but still, post uh, JFK. Post Martin Luther King, post Malcolm X, post Bobby Kennedy, post civil rights, uprising, strife. We're getting our asses beaten in Vietnam. And then you have this movie where Patton comes out. God, and Francis Ford Coppola, who I think... Did Coppola direct that or did he just write it? Oh, I think I Coppola know. wrote that film. I don't know if he directed it, though. And I say that and I realize Siegfried's out there correcting me somewhere as we speak. But I think Coppola wrote that, but I don't know if he, if he actually uh, if he directed it. I think he might have just been the screenwriter. I'll find out. But... Um, I can't imagine what it would have been like in America in 1970. First of all, there's never been anything like that put on film before. No. I mean, probably not since then. Even The closest, I mean, I go to this analogy a lot, probably the two closest things I can think of to that speech in American film history is probably only two. One of them is Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glen Ross, where he just does that blistering, like, seven and a half minute, the uh, you know, third prize is you're fired. Uh, there's that. And then there is the I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore by Howard Beale, which gives me chills even to think about it now. You just think about Howard Beale and you think about, um, uh, you, you know, you, you think about Peter Finch up there. Uh, that probably is the only thing that comes close. 
I can't imagine what it would have been like in America after everything we had gone through. And at the height of the Vietnam War, you're in a theater, and George C. Scott comes out on the screen as Patton and gives that speech. Because the very idea of losing is hateful to Americans. It must have been insane. But the audience, they aimed it at the great silent majority who elected Nixon. Wow. Basically. Damn. All right. Well, there you go. That's the way you start a show right there. You That's for you, Tim Riley. Mm-hmm. Thank All you. Right. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 14 minutes. Jesus. 14 minutes and 8 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of September. Now I'm going to do everything like Patton. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. The director was Franklin J. Schrafner. There you go. Screenplay by Francis Procopola, though, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we are here in the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM970 The Talker. Uh, thank you for coming along. Uh, it is Friday, and welcome to Day 12. It's 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com, sarah at 970.am, tim at 970.am, or richie with a t at 970.am. Uh, we've already got phone calls coming in about last night's convention. Thankfully, thank the sweet, merciful uh, Jesus this is the last day we have to talk about it. I do not want to hear that John McCain was a prisoner of war one more time. I mean... Every other sentence, oh, we knew. We knew ahead of time. I'm with you. Oh, telling I, us. And weren't you just saying yesterday how you respected him for the fact that he didn't bring it up? He didn't milk it. Did? Well, he, the, the party brought it up. Yeah. Every other sentence. I mean, and to his credit, he didn't hit it again. You know, he didn't hit it last night. McCain, you know, McCain didn't... I don't be Johnny Buzzkill right out of the gate. But McCain, to his credit, doesn't ever come out and talk about being a prisoner of war. Uh, but, the, uh, but it's just, it is so, now I almost, it is repellent and hateful to me. It is so offensive to me. And people can think that I don't have any business getting offended on John B. Haynes' behalf, and that's whatever. It is so just distasteful to me, the way that they take that POW service. And again, he's a braver, braver guy than I could ever be. And the idea that they just take that and they just ring it for just every single vote they can, it just bugs the hell out of me. I mean, it really does. It really makes me angry. So, you know, I'll, anyway, anyway, I, I, we'll talk about it later. I don't get bogged down. Um, so we've already got, well, this is the last day we have to talk about uh, the conventions. Then we don't have to do anything until the debates happen, which is not for three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so we'll talk about that today. Coming up later on today, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, uh, Bob Costantini, uh, Aaron Duran will be here from FilmFeverRadio.com. We'll talk to our good friend Susan Reynolds, who has an exciting, uh, an exciting little musical announcement for us, an exciting rock fest announcement. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? There's something else coming up today? Other other stuff? I don't know, maybe. Uh, Aaron Duran's going to bring us the top five. Uh, let's see, what is it? The top five righteous metal anthems to blare in the back of a D and D game, as voted on by the geeks at DragonCon 2008. I swear to God, that's what the list is called. So we'll do that. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of uh, the Bodyguard Double Feature, Bodyguard and Bodyguard 2 Double Feature DVD, uh, starring Tony Ja on DVD in stores uh, now separately as the Double Feature, Magnolia Home Entertainment. Um, so we'll do news headlines and look forward and do all that here in just a second. I just have to I have to talk about this for a moment, though, because we were just playing Patton, and you were saying it came out in 1970. Mm-hmm. And I was making an observation that especially at that time in American history, well, two things. A, it came out at a very tumultuous time, you know, in, in this country's development. And B, it's one of those speeches that as great as it is now, I can't imagine how great it would have been to have heard it new. You know what I mean? Where you don't know what's coming. There's no internet or anything back then. You walk in, let's go see that new war film. That looks exciting. And you sit down and they just come out and they kick you in the head for seven minutes with genius. So let's quickly go around the room. Uh, a film, a scene, something like that that you wish you could have seen 
you know, in the wild, at, the, at, at, at its genesis, the first time it came out. Because I got a whole list of those. Something that you wish you could have seen in the theater originally to witness oh. it as it sort of hits the public. Anything? Well, that's a big question. Oh, man, I got like nine different answers to that. I have to think about yeah, that. Yeah, I have okay. to think about that, too. Let me give you a couple right now. I wish, for, uh, to, to dovetail back on something else, I wish I'd been there in the theater uh, in 1970, what, I think, three, four, to see the I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it any more speech. I can't even, uh, you know, and that was post-Watergate, so it must have been 74. Because there's that scene where Diana Christian's saying, they've been knocked on all sides by corruption, Vietnam, Watergate, they've shot up, they've effed themselves limp and nothing helps. You know, and then you see Howard Beale doing that, you know, oh, I want you to get mad. It just would have been, I, I think I would have torn theater seats out. My parents took me to see the original Godfather. Really? And they were just as shocked as I was because they weren't familiar with some of the content. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh... And I sat there... And I have nothing to say for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Neither did my parents or on the way back to the car. Apparently, they weren't briefed ahead of time did on they, some of the matter in that movie. Did they think it was going to be like an Edward G. Robinson film? L like an Ellis Island type of thing. <laughs> and meanwhile, they've got... And meanwhile, Walter... She was the greatest piece of ass I've ever had, and I had them all over the world! Yeah. And I never heard that kind of language oh, at home. Oh, of course not. on the movie screen. <laughs> Jesus. And Sonny Corleone drilling some bridesmaid up against the back uh, of a door. The Seriously. Yeah. What a great movie, though. Oh, to have, I mean, just to have been to have been there. Uh, Scott, do you want to talk about it? I slinked down in my seat. It's like, I don't know if I can watch it. Are you sitting between your parents? Totally. Yes. Oh, wow. It was really bad. You know, but Francis Ford Coppola, man, I mean, I know this goes without saying, but you want to talk about a guy, boy, just, just screw that guy and all of his talent. Uh, that he, because that's another movie with the best opening sequence ever, where they do the long pullback and he's going, "I believe in America," and he tells that great story about his daughter being beaten and the, you know, the judges suspend the sentence, you know, and it's, it's I mean, you watch it, you just, you realize that's what, you know, you realize that Francis Ford Coppola is touched by some greatness you will never, you will never have. Here's two more brief moments I wish I could have witnessed in the theater. Uh, then we, then we got to do some stuff and move on and the hey hey and the Mahogan. Um Two things. One. I wish I had been in the theater in 71, 72, to see the original Dirty Harry. Because, again, you want to talk about another movie that tapped into the, the, the frustration of the average American, right? Yeah, because there's so much societal upheaval and turmoil and tumult and the feeling that the sort of criminals and the crooks had taken over the asylum. And then you just have, as Tyne Daly would later say, uh, you know, Dirty Harry Callahan with his big old 44, and he does that great... And everybody thinks that's the movie where he says, make my day, and it's not. That's the movie where he says, did you fire six shots or only five? And he has, you know, the, all those great monologues about, you know, you know, where he taps into that. You know what Dirty Harry is? He is just like the human id unleashed. Because there's that great moment where Scorpio has, um, you know, he's kidnapped the girl. And he leaves her in the hole to die or whatever. And then they release him because, like, because Harry Callahan interrogated him without reading his Miranda. And, you know, Callahan says all those lines which now feel like cliche, but at the time were new. Which goes, you know, I'm all broken up about that man's rights. You just kind of watch it. You go, that's so righteous. I mean, is it any wonder that guy got his own police force in Carmel? I mean, I can't stop looking at that T-shirt. Where did that come from? This? Oh, I'm wearing, I'm sorry, I'm wearing my uh, Wonder Bread-style white and nerdy shirt from the Weird Al show. I mean, I can see your mouth moving. I'm just paying attention to that T-shirt. <laughs> I know, it's like glowing <laughs> white. Like, yeah. And I'm wearing a white T-shirt today, too, which is kind of weird for both of us. Yeah, it's a white and nerdy shirt that looks like a Wonder Bread logo. And Richie is dressed like Don Hull. Dude, did you see Richie earlier? That When you saw him in the hallway, had he forgotten to button the shirt? Yeah. Because I got that. 
I no, think he, that was just for the lady. Big navel flapping. Oh, yeah. no, he told me that he had to unbuckle buttons to use, and I quote, his pit stick. <laughs> he's all class. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I forgot to button it after I use my pit stick. That Rochelle's a classy girl. Oh, man. Final moment, and then we'll uh, do news headlines, talk to Sarah, talk to Susan Reynolds, uh, call Steve Kastenbaum, all that. Final movie moment, and there's more to come, that I wish I'd seen in the theater, and I, and I never did. This is a more recent one. This would have been 89. Um, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. A great movie, an incendiary movie, but it not only is Do the Right Thing a great movie because it's just a big finger right in your eye. It's just a whole lot of, hello, Whitey! Uh, you know, right there, in the, right there in the socket. And it's just a great... That movie is like one big brass knuckle punch to your face, which I love. But oh, to have been there in, like, middle America... As the opening credits are playing, and that uh, there's that great fight, the power song over the beginning, where Chuck D says, um, uh, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never met S to me. Um, and, then he, and then he says, MF him and John Wayne. I mean, just to have sat there in some sort of Kansas audience as a guy is on the screen screaming, F John Wayne and Elvis. I mean, come the, on. The biggest screaming movie that I remember out of the 70s, and there, there weren't too many good ones, was Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the movie to see on the big screen oh. when it first came out. People are terrified. You know, I could talk about this all day. One, f okay. Now I have to say this one one final thing that I swear to God we'll move on. I have seen the best thing, and it's a like, and you can it's like with those night vision glasses. It is a film of a test screening of Jaws, and it is a test screening of Jaws, and it's that sequence where. Cooper is underneath the boat chiseling the tooth out, and then the Ben Gardner's face comes down through the hole, and you kind of go, ha! Ah! You know, and it, it freaks you out. And so it's this focus group, and they're showing the movie. Cooper's chiseling the, the, the tooth the size of a shot glass out of the bottom of the boat. Ben Gardner's face, the dead face, comes down into the hole. Cooper goes, and runs away. And the audience just goes, you know, the audience just kind of goes, mm, 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 ah! and then they all scream. And then the best thing is, Spielberg goes back and he re-edits that scene. He re-edits it. And somebody said to him, well, you know what? They all screamed. Why are you re-editing it? And Spielberg says the coolest thing ever. He goes, I want them to scream louder. Which is, <laughs> come on. I love this. I love, I love this show. I love, uh, I love just everything about, everything about this country and the art it produces. I really do. All right. Tim Riley, what are we working on today in the uh, CBS newsroom? Well, let's see. Uh, all the viewers are reminded that John McCain was a prisoner of war every other sentence last night. Cindy McCain shows her humility and love for children. I understand she used to hang around with Mother Teresa, according to her video. Mm -hmm. Obama appears on the O'Reilly Factor. A pregnant Medford woman has been sentenced to jail for beating a guy and blinding him with a beer bottle. Two men are crushed by a cement slab at a Seattle construction site. Saudi clerics warn against holding birthday parties. Oprah refuses to have Sarah Palin on her program. You know, when you've lost Oprah, you've lost the country, Tim. Mm -hmm. Jamie Lynn Spears said the story about her sending uh, Bristol Palin the baby gift. It's fake. Uh, I got all of that and uh, much more exciting. Uh, oh, and we do want to say goodbye for some reason. Mark the Brit is the last day he can send the stories, and he's been sending me stories forever. Why? So, Why? So we want to thank him. Maybe he has a new job, and he can't do this anymore. Oh, really? Oh, What's more important, your job or this show? I Please. really like his email. I know. I like Mark the Brit. Let's get our priorities so straight. Uh, I hope you can correct this and keep sending us stuff because you really make the show and make it make it a lot less work for me. You know, it seems like someone's priorities need a good triaging, Mark the Brit. All right. Uh, hello, Sarah. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. I woke up right. super early this morning, went for a long bike ride, and me went too. for breakfast, and read a book. 
I, last two days, I got that thing where I'm waking up real early for no real reason, and I'm not tired, but I'm awake, like, way earlier than I ought to be. I woke up, like, 7.30 this morning, and I just, like, you know what? I never do this. I'm going to wake up and make the most of my day and went and sat at a coffee shop for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. And- had a great morning. Excellent. Good for that you. That's wonderful. We're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And the Timbers won last night, 4 to nothing. It was an amazing game. What kind of team is that? It was a, it's a soccer game. Oh. Yes. You know why they won, Sarah? Because, because the I very won. idea of losing is hateful well, to Americans. The time. <laughs> that's why it was exciting. Uh, all right. All of this stuff to get through. So little to get through. So much time. Stop. Reverse that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan. Don't F with me or I'll... I'll just waste you and your whole freaking crew, Reynolds. Hello, how are you? Well, tell that to this microphone. Uh, that I'll follow it. Okay. The springs there are a little too tight yeah. there. Hi, Susan Reynolds. Hello. How are you today? I am <clears throat> very fine. All right, you've got an exciting announcement that we'll get to in just one moment. So exciting. All right. Uh, is your hair different? No. Oh, man, I was trying to earn a little, trying to earn some points. There. Yes, Rick. Thank you for uh, noticing. By the way, earn points by saying your hair looks nice instead of like, is your hair different? Yeah. Well, see, I was That's taken aback. Like I didn't really. No, it looked like it got a cut, but maybe I not. did. But, like, two weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, oh, by the way, happy uh, advanced birthday from us. Happy Aww. birthday in advance. <gasps> we, the Rick Emerson uh, program. Because it's, what, Sunday? Something like that? Yeah. yeah Whoa, my goodness. Hey, Rick Emerson's not the guy who forgets. All right, then. I am the guy who forgets. But I'm trying to not be the guy that forgets like, going forward. Uh, let's take one phone call, then we'll talk to Susan Reynolds about this. Something very exciting. Hello, uh, sir, madam, as the case may be. First call of the day, setting the tone for everything that follows. Don't suck. <laughs> hey, Rick. It's Hans. Hello. Hi. Hey, and uh, good morning to Sarah and to Tim as well. Hello, hi. Good morning. And to Susan Reynolds, who I assume is sitting there. Well done. Thank you. Um, there you go. Uh, four items in in no order of importance that all very brief. Yeah. First one, shout out to my girlfriend, April, who's getting her uh, who's getting her keys to her very first condominium home this afternoon. Congratulations. Congratulations. You're a homeowner. Uh, a proud capitalist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, second item, and I will be very, very circumspect here, yeah. but uh, something to go in the theater that I would have liked to have seen because of the sheer revulsion is that moment in Requiem for a Dream where Jennifer Connelly oh, finally yeah. oh. succumbs to the last, uh, last terrible draw. Of You're drugs. talking about uh, where the horror is laid end to end, so to speak. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. That would have been terrifying. All right. Uh, third, third thing, uh, as you know, my employer uh, often has uh, some relationship with law enforcement and the military, and we've got some awesome footage of those seals coming up and off of our roofs a couple weeks ago, the black helicopters. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I didn't know what you were referring to that. Okay. And finally, yes. uh, the last thing, McCain's speech. Yes. And the background to McCain's speech. Have you heard the Walter Reed thing yet? Uh, when you mean background, what do you mean, like figurative or literally that big green thing they had so, behind so, him? So the deal is that big green thing behind him was the bottom half of a photograph of a building. That was the lawn of the building, right? Oh, I kept wondering what that building yeah. was. So that building is a middle school in, Cal- in North Hollywood, California. And here's the thing that's funny about it. It's named Walter Reed Middle School. And so you think to yourself, why on earth would McCain's people put up a building that absolutely no one in their right mind would recognize unless you live in North Hollywood? Right. The, the theory around the interwebs is that some tech somewhere was told to get a photograph of, of Walter, Walter Reed Hospital. Stick in Walter Reed. They pull up, hey, look at this great photo. Stick it on the background. That is fair. I kept wondering what the hell that building was they were showing. So that makes total sense, though. They, give me a picture of Walter Reed. Google image search Walter Reed. Some, you know, some nitwit with, you know, some, some guy's a mouth breather, doesn't really know, pulls down the image, they put it up. Makes total sense. Exactly. All right, I'm going to spread that as though it's true. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye now. All right. Uh, I will play us in the break, Sarah, after we have this small announcement from Susan Reynolds. Hello, Susan Reynolds. Hello. 
Well, as you all know, I'm sure by now, uh, Kid Rock is headlining Rockfest. Yes, he is. One week from today, in fact, at Columbia Meadows. And I hope Tickets everyone... Tickets on sale now. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster. KUFO.com has all the info. And yesterday, we found out... The best thing ever. Rev Run is going to join Kid Rock That's what I'm talking stage. about. Yeah. Special guest. Yeah. We were stoked when we wow. heard that. So, uh, so uh, Reverend Run, of, of course, of uh, legendary, uh, iconic, uh, indispensably crucial rap group Run DMC. Uh, and then, of course, kind of, you know, striking on his own right. He's, you know, he's not, he has a TV show. He's done books. He's whatever. So he's going to be on stage with Kid Rock. Yeah. And, uh, and we literally just found this out yesterday. So we were running through the building. And as I ran into your office and said, have you heard? Have you heard? You lit up like I've oh, never seen. It's like the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, I'm, t- I'm kind of bummed that I missed the photo op with Ice Cube the other yeah. day. But I got to tell you, but looming even larger in the American cultural consciousness, especially, I think, for maybe guys who came of age when I did. I mean, the run the MC, they are the indispensable link. I mean, you can't. You know, you yeah. cannot, he's really an absolute towering living legend. And so uh, to see both those guys on stage together, I mean, oh, this is going to be an amazing uh, show, and it just got uh, more so. So I would suggest if you haven't already done done so, run out and get your tickets now. So You'll be speak. there, yes? Oh, yes. Run to get your tickets. See? <laughs> I didn't even realize. Already the best thing ever. All right, tickets on sale at Ticketmaster or KUFO.com? Correct. Excellent. Rockfest happens next Friday. Next Friday. Be there. All right. Susan Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen. I will play us in the break here. We'll come back after this. Steve Kastenbaum. Later on, uh, we'll talk to Bob Costantini. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Your phone calls and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio hey, Program. Putting this in though, I must have, but I don't. It sounds like something I would put in, but I don't remember doing so. Doesn't it sound like something I would add? Sounds weird. It sounds like a techno version of the Bog of Eternal Stench from Labyrinth. All the weird noises. Okay. Somebody will get that. Word for it. The Bog of Eternal Stench. Seriously, it makes all these gross noises, and it just sounds like techno gross voices. It does sound like a, like electronic flatulence or something, like electronic uh, armpit uh, farts. Anywho, uh, why, hello, it's the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program, and at some point, and by some point I mean three minutes ago, uh, we're going to be talking to Steve Kastenbaum. Timely as always. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Thank you for coming by. Uh, coming up later on, we'll talk to senior radio correspondent Bob Costantini at 1.15. Yes? Yes. Okay, one thing I can change. 1.15. Let me update my notes. 1.15. Um, Aaron Geek and the City Duran will be here in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, we'll do the top five righteous metal songs to blare in the background of a D&D game as voted on by all the geeks at Dragon Con 2008. We'll do that. 
Uh, one uh, random on-air caller today wins a copy of the Bodyguard double feature, Bodyguard and Bodyguard 2, starring Tony Ja on DVD, in stores now separately, or as a double feature uh, for Magnolia Home Entertainment. Uh, I was running so late today, I haven't had time to do... I mean, I, I, I have nothing. Uh, I was getting ready to write down my Matrix, and I, re- I just literally... Because every day I come in, and I've talked about this before, but I list out all the things we're going to do, or at least attempt to get to, like 1 through 10 or whatever. And all I did this morning is I just wrote down the number one that's it and then i had no time to do anything else so uh looking back let's see what, what do we still have to do uh we have a birth of a salesman uh intro. we're going to get to uh that today um let me make a note to myself gop song can we have a gop song to get to uh tim will have an update on the uh convention coverage uh from yesterday uh and so forth uh let's see and uh richie bristol will you join us in the studio please all right, so we thought to Richie Bristol about some stuff. Uh, we'll get your email here, and we might do a miniature uh, high-concept topic here in just a few, uh, because we got uh, so much response uh, to this thing about uh, movie scenes that you sort of wish you'd experienced in the theater. Hello, Richie Bristol. I think these buttons are just loose. Oh, Richie. Because <laughs> after you said that, I keep on looking at it, and I walked in here, and I showed them again. So three, four times this morning, I've been uh-huh. hanging out. You know, he who can't dance blames the floor, Richie. And my belly's hanging out. Do you want a safety pin or something? The best part is he didn't say my, it's my. My belly's hanging out. My belly's white and nerdy. All right. Um, why, uh, what, before, and we'll get this, I see Steve on hold there. Steve, uh, we'll get to you in just just one moment. Um, let's talk about the outfit you're wearing today, Richie. And I know people can't see this, but it is Theatre of the Mind. See, Please, why out. are you doing that? I don't want to I just your navel, dude. I didn't pull, did you see, I just moved like this. Don't, Richie, but, don't jiggle. Yeah, button. Wiggle. All right, so Richie's wearing Crocs again and white socks that are pulled up. Uh-huh. You would at least push your socks down a lot on your ankles a little bit. Uh, you've got, like, track, you know, like, gym shorts or something on, like, oh, with a big stripe down the side. I'm sorry, Hawaiian sort of shorts. And then, I hate to do this, but i got to touch the shirt here. i got to see this fabric. Do you have a speck? Oh. I feel it. Oh, it's like, um, silk. It's, it, it is, it's not real silk, though, is it? Yeah. All right, it's a silk Hawaiian shirt with like the Hawaiian motif on the front, like, like volcanoes and see, palm trees, and a Woody on the the car. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like the, the Woody and the, the palm trees and the whatever. And then are those wooden buttons? Oh, I see what you mean. Those are slippery plastic buttons. Slippery buttons with silk probably isn't a good winning combo. So like Richie comes into the kitchen this morning, he's like, "Hey, so anyway, um, I got this whole friend issue I want to ask you about, and I can't even. It's like how Tim was distracted by my shirt and just heard like, won't, won't, won't. All I could hear was Richie going, wah, 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 because it's like he had the big, like, <laughs> no offense, like the big gut with the navel sort of, like, pushing out of the front. I was like, dude, close your robe. We all need to take a picture today because we all look completely different from how we usually do. It's not a, yeah. And it's probably actually, no, we probably shouldn't. It's probably not a good look. I mean, it's just, well, because we are, you and I have white shirts on, so we're just going to be floating heads. And then Richie, quit. <laughs> yes, we can all see your nipples. Oh, God. All right. Now, well, now we don't have time to talk about your friend. We'll, oh. we'll drag you back in here later. Okay. All right. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. Jesus. CNN Radio Correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello. Passed the homeless guy at the bus terminal this morning dressed just like that. Seriously, it's so... Uh, I was in the kitchen. I was like, I'll get some coffee or get a thing. And Richie comes in, and he starts asking me some question about a personal problem he's having with some friend. And I know there were words coming out of his mouth because I could see his lips moving. But all I could hear was like... Rrr, rrr, rrr. Because I, I look down, and Richie is not a svelte man. I will simply, but he's, it's not that he's an unattractive man. I would say he's attractive, but uh, but, he, but he's a he's a, a a larger person, I might say. Got a little a little more of him to love, and so he's got like the gut, and then the like a really prominent belly button. Not that it's like an Audi or anything, 
But, I mean, it's just very sort of pronounced. And then the... He kind of looks like one of those, like, it's like the Barrio thing where you only have the top button on the shirt button. It was like that, but with, like, maybe the top two. It's all very unpleasant. And, of course, nothing underneath, and he's wearing Crocs. You know, it's just a... Uh... Crocs with socks. That, that's bad. I mean, Crocs with anything, you know, yeah. are bad. Crocs with anything, it's just a, it's a, it's just a, it's a bad, bad idea. So. You know, I finally got invited to a Richie party. What, it, what do you, is that like a lemon party? Yeah, he picked me up. He picked up the phone. You know, he answers the phone when I call and, and asks me if I wanted to go to a, a party. What kind what? of party? I, I, I guess one of his parties. Um, what was your response to that? And what? Uh, when? When was the party going to take place? What was it about? Please to explain. My response was, uh, "Are you having a party in New York?" Yeah. Uh, this is this the thing he's doing in California later in the year. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you? Uh, you didn't agree to go for the love. Well, of God. I'm, I'm in New York. Okay. Uh, you know. I would stick to that story. Aren't you having a party in California? Uh, yeah. He wants to. Uh, he was asking me. He's like, "So can I get some days off later? I want to. I'm throwing this party in California." So I. I mean, Richie does seem to put a lot That's of effort. Fascinating. You know, and he and I don't think he makes any money on it. I think he just sort of like puts them together because he likes throwing shindigs. So, uh, well. I'd love to experience a, a Richie party. It's just, you know, 3,000 miles away from me. Let me just, I will simply point this out. A, I would like, uh, I would like for you to, and you would probably like it, if you, and probably Mrs. Kastenbaum would like for you in the future to avoid the phrase, I'd like to experience a Richie party. <laughs> also, let me remind you that the last so-called Richie party ended up with a huge hole in his radiator, and he had to drive home with his radiator full of eggs. So, you know, just sort of you know, FYI, you know, just so you're aware. I, I, I would just love to be a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's see. Um, so I guess this is the last day we're going to be talking about this guy. Uh, this is the, this is the, the as, as it says here on the prep sheet, the end of the road uh, for our good friend, uh, Mr. Kilpatrick, who is the uh, mayor of Detroit. He's, well, what is his deal? Is he going into a, a small room with, uh, with bars on it now? He's going to be. He's going to be uh, sentenced in a couple of weeks in October, but more importantly, uh, within two weeks, he's got to resign from office. So it's over. It's funny that they give him two weeks. Like, he's a felon, and he broke a bunch of laws, and he's going to jail, and he still gets two weeks to be mayor. Well, you know what it is? They have to create a whole transition uh, team there. He can't just, you know, can't just vacate office. They have to make sure, you know, things are taken care of, and any projects that are, uh, you know, currently in a state of flux or, or any situations that are ongoing and need attention uh, immediately, you know, they have to make sure there's uh, some apparatus in place to uh, to deal with those things. Well, fair enough. Uh, don't they have, like, a second-in-command, or don't they have, like, junior mayors or mayor mayor deputy or something? They, they have their they have their second-in-commands there. I know here in New York it's deputy mayor. They have a different uh, they have a different hierarchy there in Detroit. They do have a pecking order, though, yes. All right, excellent. Um, well, probably not a whole else to talk about, except, uh, I don't know, I'm assuming you, uh, you watched and uh, wallowed in all of the uh, convention stuff last night? I did. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, I watched uh, the speeches last night and the night before. Yes. What are your uh, What are your thoughts as uh, as either citizen or journalist on last night's uh, shenanigans? My My observation as a journalist was these were two very different conventions. Uh, they I thought they couldn't have been more different, both in the messages they were delivering and in the presentation that they put forth. You know, the the Democratic one was was very uh, highly produced. Their podium was all high-tech with all of this video stuff going on. Right. And uh, the Republican one was very low-key, very understated, the podium, that is. Uh, the, uh, the, the Democratic one in, in, involved one after another, literally 
over a hundred different real people, as they call them, everyday Americans explaining the problems that they're facing today and why they think the Democrats are are, uh, are the right choice to address those problems. Right. And I didn't hear much of that in the Republican one. Uh, in the Republican one, I heard more uh, attacks on uh, Senator Obama than I did uh, people addressing the issues that everyday Americans are facing today. And also, the other thing you didn't hear at the Republican convention that you heard at the Democratic one the whole time was uh, George Bush. You didn't hear them talking about Bush at all. They I mean, didn't mention George Bush at all, uh, except for John McCain, who, in my opinion, ill-advisedly, during his speech, actually took time to specifically say, I would like to thank the support of George W. Bush. Uh, which I think is maybe the only time it was actually said. Hey, here's another thing, um, and I will um, constrain, or a word like that, uh, myself from talking further about this, uh, just because I don't want to be, I don't want to call, it's because it's Friday, you know, and everybody works on a Monday, everybody smiles on Friday. So I, I don't want to be just, just bringing whatever uh, to this, but I will say that they showed, they showed this four-and-a-half-minute 9-11 video last night, Apparently because they were under the impression we'd all forgotten that it happened. And it is interesting to note that nowhere, nowhere in that 9-11 video, uh, shots of Rudy Giuliani, shots of whatever, no, not one single picture of or reference to George Bush anywhere. Yeah. So, and there was, a lot of, there was a lot of that, uh, you know, uh, America will be in, in safe, safe, it will be safe in the hands of John McCain. John McCain will, will protect America from the threats that we face. And, and you didn't hear much of that, uh, if at all, uh, at the Democratic convention. So it's, it's clear that the two parties have a different view on what should be a, a top priority uh, in, in the coming administration. And it's also a flop on the, sort of the production uh, values, or flip-flop anyway, you know, turnaround, because if you remember back in 2004... Uh, you know, the Democrats, you know, it's Kerry and Edwards, it's, you know, the same thing, just sort of some guys behind a podium and like a blue screen behind him with a flag or something. But I remember in 2004, the Republicans had some really, really high production values, and they had the one moment in terms of just sheer stagecraft that I remember from the uh, Republican convention 2004, because I noticed these things, is there was this great moment when George W. Bush walked out to give his sort of acceptance speech or his, you know, like, I accept your nomination to run again or whatever it is. He, there was this thing where they had on the stage at ground level two um, sort of, not neon signs, but these two sort of, these two sort of illuminated American flags, almost like American flags made out of thousands of little tiny light bulbs. And they had two of them at ground level, and then they started moving like sliding glass doors toward each other, and they crossed or appeared to cross, and when they crossed, there was a huge bright light. And then after they passed each other, there was a magical door that had appeared, and Bush walked through it. Yeah, and I'm doing kind of a bad job of explaining it, but it was really a beautiful piece of stagecraft. And this year, I mean, this year all the Republicans really had was just, uh, you know, they had a lot of balloons, and apparently from what we're hearing, a picture of Walter Reed Middle School because somebody got the wrong photo. So, there you yeah. Go. Oh, you know what else you heard a lot, uh, uh, a lot of, um, oh, now, now I'm drawing a blank. Oh, geez, you ever have one of those senior moments? Where? <laughs> Jeez. That's okay. I had it on the, had it on the tip it's of good my things nobody. Good thing nobody's listening to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just interesting. I mean, you heard a lot of a lot, a lot of the attacks on uh, on Senator Obama, and uh, not to say that there weren't attacks on, on John McCain at the at the uh, at the Democratic convention. There certainly were the speakers that went after John McCain, but it seemed to me at the Republican uh, convention it was one after another a zinger 
especially uh, in uh, the vice presidential candidate speech uh, aimed towards Senator right. McCain. And, uh, yeah, you didn't hear as much of that uh, at the Democratic one. Right. All right. Uh, big plans for your weekend, sir. Yeah, you know what I'm doing? Uh, I'm getting on a plane on Sunday, and I'm heading to Florida to get in the path of Hurricane Ike. Have fun with that. Yeah, yeah, Category 4. I should be, uh, I should be doing great. <laughs> Here's just a logistical question. Do they just, is it, is it, do they just rotate you guys? I mean, literally, is it just, are you just in, in order of who has to go for what hurricane? I mean, they try to, they try to split it up so that it's, uh, you know, all the hurricanes don't fall on one reporter's shoulders and all the, all the conventions and debates don't fall on, on one other person's shoulders. They try to, you know, they, they try to spread the traveling out so we all get a little taste of, of everything there. But I gotta tell you, this has been one of the busiest two weeks for uh, CNN in general uh, in, in its history. And uh, I don't know if you, heard, you read the articles, uh, but we actually topped all of the regular broadcast networks for uh, viewership yes, during these conventions. Congratulations. Yeah, we, we beat everybody. What? And uh, we just got a, me a memo uh, that was published uh, from uh, Jim Walton about what a great job we've been doing and about how we were you know, down in New Orleans at the same time that all this stuff was going on and all of our live trucks are all out in the field and Pretty incredible right now. I mean, CNN is, is going, is firing on all cylinders right now. I have to say, uh, you know, not only just, uh, you know, you guys are great, and I know Lisa's been doing a thing with um, um, with Roland Martin that is really great, and of course the TV coverage, and I don't just say this because I'm on the phone with you, the, I believe that CNN's TV coverage is the def I think the gold standard in terms of covering the last uh, the last two weeks of conventions. I really do believe that. So, Thank you. All right, well, ha have a, a fantastic weekend. Travel safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, sir. Thanks a lot. Right, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. All right. A Richie party. All right. Um, How come I, I know Richie says that he doesn't invite us because he knows we won't go, but he never invites us. I was just going to say. We should bring him back in. Richie, please come back in. I was just thinking that. It's kind of hurting my feelings now. Well, you want to be invited just so you can, I mean, even if, you know, just so you can say no, like it's nice just to be thought of. This is sort of like, you know, it's like how Hillary Clinton wanted, you know, Barack to, oh, dude. Do you want a safety pin for that shirt? I think it's every time I sit down, my belly pushes out and it pops buttons. Seriously. That's so sad. It's a tight shirt. I should have watched it. It's not it. a it's tight not shirt. shirt. It is tight. It's a Hawaiian shirt. shirt. Here, let me sit down and show you how tight it is. All right, Richie's going to sit down and demonstrate the... Look, see how they're Oh, tight, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I like if somebody else who we know who used to wear a lot of Hawaiian shirts. Oh, yeah. No, I would... Yes, yes, it does. Also, like that's a that's like Tony Soprano's got that thing where he wears those like bowling shirts. Uh -huh. You know, and he sits down and it's like, mm, and the big Soprano gut pushes out. You're not as big as James Gandolfini, but still. I'm getting ready for the pig roast. Okay. Oh, I got another email about that. By the way, Hold we on. don't have to bring anything, do we? No, no, we don't. <laughs> we Appar included. Apparently, we, we don't included. exist. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. We are. I'm reading the email now. We are a couple of weeks away from our history-making pig fest. Uh, let's see. Uh, apparently they're going to set up a thing they call, I'm reading this directly from the CBS email, by the way. They're going to be setting up a thing they call the coffin in the back parking lot, and then they're going to lower an entire pig into it. So, uh, there you go. What? Is there going to be beer? Um, yeah, well, let's see. Uh, it doesn't say, I don't know, it actually doesn't say. I, mean, I thought the engineering's in charge of beverages, but it's like, oh, they look like drinkers. Oh, it's a radio. Oh, the, the engineers are drunk all the time. Yeah. They're probably drunk now. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a radio, but they got to have beer. Oh, but they're going to get us another phone line, too. Yeah, no, we're getting a second warm line. Yes. Uh, but apparently, this this is what they said. Uh, they, and don't get me wrong. I'm all for teamwork and morale building, uh, you know, and community and whatever. It says, we need help with, uh, let's see, music, tablecloths, uh, let's see. 
Let's set up, clean up, not it. Uh, and then it says, we'll also need lots of help. The pig is heavy. Imagine the cluster F it's going to be back there with, like, all the, the, the rock stations, hip-hop stations, oldie stations. Like, everyone's going to want to force their music taste on everyone else. Oh, I'm, but I'm opting I'm out. out. No, I'm totally opting out of it. I'm not even going to try. I mean, Are you going to go to the thing? Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, okay, I'm totally going to go. Oh, yeah, no, I'm completely going. I mean, I, mean, I know Tim isn't going to go, so we, so we have to. It's like, you know, it's like with so many things, Tim always grabs the, the opt-out card before anybody else can reach for it, and then we have to go. Because it's like we can't. Like, and we, we can't just not show up. I don't mean to sound antisocial either. I like station either. bonding. I think it's kind of fun. Well, that's what I'm saying. And even if I didn't want to go, uh, you know, which I would. Again, I believe Rick Emerson is a team player. There's Junkie right there. Oh, I'm sorry. Here's Let's welcome now uh, Brian Jones, CBS uh, Radio Portland Director of Engineering. Hello, sir. Apparently, I was sober enough to hear you disparaging us. Well, I don't know that that's true or not. I mean, we haven't tested it. It was just wishful You apparently didn't need anything today, right? What's that? You apparently didn't need hey, anything It's a compliment today. that you can probably do your job, you know. Because we're say. always drunk anyway, right? Yeah. You know, but I'm saying this. I'm saying your engineering acumen is so profound. It is such a depth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. You guys could be half in the bag all the time oh, and out-engineer out every other station in the city. I can hear the water splashing now from you backpedaling. You know what I'm saying. I'm, <laughs> I'm just hoping that you guys are drunk, because that means you're in charge of beverages, and I don't want to be sitting there drinking like soda the whole time. Really? Well, I, I have heard this is a dry party. Is that true? No. You're, no, you're lying. No, I'm not lying. That's the honest-to-God truth. what I was about to say is... I was about to say that for the most part, I don't really trust radio people who don't get drunk because then I wonder how long they've, I wonder if they have any real experience. <laughs> that should just be a general distrust. That's the thing. I mean, if you can work in radio for more than five, ten years and not feel the need to just uh, obliterate your, your brain cells, I really wonder what, where you, you well, know, that's what you've been up to. we're all in radio because we don't really get along yeah. well with the general public. That's, you, you, you get that. Because you can't go be an accountant and I can't go be an insurance salesman. No, that's exactly right. Not going to work. Right. So. Richie, you and I will flask it next Friday. All right. Well, I, yeah, I talked to Gus. You know, Gus is crying right. the pig, right? Yes, he is. And he said, I told him it was a dry party, and he about fell out of his chair. He says, i got to start that pig at 7. He says, I'll be drinking by 8. Oh, dude, there's no... So, I mean, you know the people who work here. I mean, if you keep them away from booze for half an hour, they're going to DT. You'll be lucky if it's just booze. Uh, well, <laughs> I didn't say that. No, I mean, look, I did like this. There's some there's people who float around not just this building, but this cluster and this industry... Uh, you keep them away from alcohol for more than three hours, and they're scratching off their skin and screaming about invisible spiders. Look at Richie. That's what I'm saying. I didn't, I mean, I didn't want to come out and say Richie. Well, so all right, so we're we're good here. Oh no, we're good to go. We're no, we'll be there. We're no, no, I'm there. We are yeah, team I'm, players. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I'm supposed to bring enough beverages for myself and four other people. Well, there? that was going to be my so question. I'll bring you five cans of soda. All right, so this, can, I, <laughs> can I ask you some clarifying questions? Line. Yeah, please. I'll, I'll, I'd be happy. Oh, her or me? Well, Sarah had some questions about this as well, because it is written sort of weirdly. When they have this list, and I'm sure this is fascinating to the audience, they have this list of what stations no, you're supposed to bring. I can hear the radios tuning off from right <laughs> it's here. Pigfest. And then the email did it not say bring enough food for yourself and three and people? Pigfest away. Okay, here it goes. Three or four Let's, other people. You bring food for three in a lawn chair. Company provides utensils and pig. So now, when it says bring food for three, what does that mean? Well, I can eat that much. But I guess is that like am I is everybody supposed to bring enough to, to feed three other people? That's that's my understanding. Do, by definition, doesn't that give us three times more food than we need? Well, I, one would think. If everyone is bringing food for three people. <laughs> for themselves and three people. The, but if everybody's doing it, the simple math seems to... Look, yeah. unless unless this is like a Jesus, we need loaves and fishes thing. Well, but you've got to remember that I'm. Oh, the engineering department is bringing drinks. So right. not everybody is bringing drinks and a dish. But it doesn't leave much because engineering is bringing, bringing beverages and barbecue. Business office is bread. 
And the other stations are bringing hot side dishes, snacks, desserts, salads, and be- and KFOs getting beverages. And so then if everybody it, brings desserts, we'll be having pork and pork and pie. You're right, though, Rick. That <laughs> doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. So the math of it is just all wrong. But we're not in there either. No, but I was going to say, but but luckily we've been asked to do nothing. We apparently don't exist. Well, you're what are what? Plus, like, we won't do it. We're not, we're not, we're not on, on it. On they don't, our call letters, our station, our names appear nowhere on any of the invites or uh, emails. Just really? Yeah, I'm sure it's an oversight. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring three cigarettes. It's a perfectly logical three explanation. Three cigarettes. I'll bring three <laughs> Richie's bringing the smokes. Yeah. Uh, well, I got uh, I got some circus peanuts and head cheese that have been sitting at home for a while. So. <laughs> I got whipped hits, whipped cream. Okay, Richie then. will bring the drugs. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, so a full pick. Now you are you. So are you setting up the cooking equipment and then Gus nope. is doing the cooking? How's no, that Gus working? has got uh, he's got the cooker and everything already. I, right. I guess it's a big wooden metal line box. They throw the pig in it, put the top on it, coals, and then they dump all the coals on top of this metal lid, and that heats the pig and cooks the pig and okay. And then he's bringing somebody who actually knows how to cut the pig. All right, because yeah, I would have no idea yeah. how to. No, we're going to already been gutted. I hope. Backyard, like these little fancy schmancy and a pig pit, so they'll like get a pig and they'll bury it in the sand. You know? well, I was hoping we'd get to dig a hole in the parking lot. Totally, Hank Williams Jr. style. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we call dibs on the snout, uh, ears, and tail. All right, I'll arm wrestle you for it. All right, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and this is coming up when? Two Fridays from what? Well, Friday from the nineteenth. It's a week from Rockfest. All right, excellent. How's that? Well, you like that little plug for Rockfest yes. I just threw in there? Kufo. dot com. Yeah. All right, Brian Jones, CBS Thanks. Radio Portland director of engineering. Good night, everybody. And Have a great weekend. Drunk. And not drunk. Well, not yet. It's noon somewhere. It is noon. I was going to say. Uh, only because it, it would interrupt your smoking. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's take a break. Uh, oh, do you want to, uh, Sarah? What should we do here? Well, it's the top. So. Oh well, I guess we'll just begin the news hour then. Um, uh, once Tim Riley presents. What's that? You need me to read the oh, news. I'll, gotta, I'll be back. I got to get a drink first. Oh, that's okay. We'll, we'll find Tim, but thank you, uh, Richie. Can you uh, can you let Tim know we're going to start the noon news hour? All right. We're never going to get to hear Richie's. Story about his friend. Now, would you make a note about that, though? Richie's friend, and then we got to do. I got to. I'm making the matrix on the fly here. All right. So, it, by the way, it never was. They never did clarify the point there whether we need to bring anything or not. So I'm going with not. I'm getting. We just bring our own personalities. I guess so. We are going to bring our own unique brand of entertainment. That will be our gift to the people. I am. You know, as much as I don't want to bring anything, I am kind of sad that they didn't invite us. Well, that's okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's a perfectly logical explanation yeah. for that omission. Ah, uh, hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. Are you uh, ready to begin the news hour? I am. It should be fun. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's And Now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So we have all kinds of things to get to today. I have stacks and stacks of things. Some that I haven't even gone through yet. Uh, let's see here. Well, should we start with uh, last night's festivities at the uh, Republican convention? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. You know what I didn't bring? Um, oh, by the way, this news is brought to you by Leafs Auto Collision Center, finest in collision repair. Richie, Richie, I hate to do this. Richie, I know what Leafs can do for you. Oh, I'm sorry. I was stepping on your thing. No, you're fine. I didn't realize I was shouting. Why don't you do that again? Huh? The Leafs thing again. Uh, new time news brought to you by Leafs Auto Collision Center, finest in collision repair. Go to Leafs.com and find out what Leafs can do for you. Hey, Richie? Huh? Um, upstairs, will you go up to my desk, and I think it's to the left of my keyboard, will you grab my day planner? Uh-huh. Thank you. Here's Tim Riley. So apparently, we've just learned that uh, one of the videos shown at the uh, Republican convention used stock footage instead of the real thing. They show the Continental Congress, a real World War II vet, 
Photos of workers at Ground Zero, a close-up of a folded flag presented to a grieving widow at a military funeral. However, this was a fake funeral. Uh, this film was stock footage. It was owned by Getty Images and was produced by a commercial filmmaker in Chicago. Uh, this company is called Big Films. It confirmed that the footage was shot and sold to the Republican National Committee. Uh, this used actors and not real soldiers. Really? Yes. Uh, it seems like the, you know what, the symbolism there is just is so obvious I'm not even going to take the time to point it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the actors, uh, Perry Denton of Chicago, confirmed he was hired on a day rate as an actor for the shoot and tells CBS he was surprised to learn that the uh, the fake funeral was shown at the convention. Wait, does this mean he was a scab? No. Okay, no, he was. He maybe have been a union actor? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we don't know when it was shot. All right. So, uh, talk about the... Uh, let's start with uh, John McCain's wife, the lovely Cindy McCain, introducing her husband at the convention last night. She said uh, she landed the most marvelous friend and husband in John McCain, adding he is as great as a father as he is uh, being a husband. He brought to our children his great personal character, his lifelong example of honesty, and his steadfast devotion to honor. She just loves her husband to death. I got the most marvelous husband and friend and confidant, a source of strength and inspiration, and also the best father you could ever imagine. Uh, my only observation, really, about her, I guess at this point, at least, is that... No, I mean, she's very generous. It showed her uh, working with poor children. Really? Was she going to let them... A friend of Mother Teresa. Was she going to sell her $300,000 outfit to buy them some food, do you suppose? Well, no. Uh, uh, the, uh, I guess it's their party, and they can run it the way they want to, uh, both literally, you know, the party, both literally and figuratively. But it is interesting. They had this long-ass, like, really tedious film that was a tribute to Cindy McCain. Why? I mean, what? that was exactly my thing. I mean, I don't really care. They're but... trying to humanize her, and she used the word humility about 22 times. Well, you know why? It's because she's got more money than God. Uh, and so, and you know, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm certainly not opposed to wealth, but it is... It, 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 Laura and I had the same question. Like, we're like, why are they showing this film that is a tribute to, to Cindy McCain? It just seemed... Nobody's, I want to learn more about Cindy McCain. No, we don't. It seemed very extraneous. It did. Uh, uh, so uh, Cindy McCain says uh, John cares about his family immensely. He has shown the value of self-sacrifice by daily example. And above all, John showers us with unconditional love and support every family dreams of. It sounds like she's talking about the family dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, John is the uh, right president for the right time. John McCain is a steadfast man who will not break with our heritage, no matter how demanding or dangerous the challenges at home or abroad. And let's not be confused. These are perilous times. Everybody be afraid. We're about to be attacked again. Let's not be confused. That line was stolen from JFK. Also this. I realize I'm asking questions that probably have no answer. These are, by definition, these are rhetorical queries. None of us are Cindy McCain. No. What does she mean when she says, he will not break our heritage? I don't know. Is that just a phrase that somebody put together because it sounds good? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's value in that, I suppose. Mm. There's something that just sort of rolls off the tongue but doesn't really hold up. I just don't really understand. That's like that weird thing that Giuliani said about calling them Islamic terrorists is insulting to terrorists. It's just like you look at it, and it, I guess maybe it sounds good coming out of his mouth, and then you realize it means nothing. Maybe you won't smash your priceless boss. Uh, maybe. Uh, here's one more from Cindy McKay. One more. I know, John. He does. You can trust his hand at the wheel. But you know something? What's that? What I've always thought, it's a good idea to have a woman's hand on the wheel as well. 
Yeah, I bet you got hands on this wheel. Yeah, yeah. Many wheel. 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 Just like Sarah Palin says, pundit. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's enough for Cindy McCain. Right. I got. We learn more than what we want to know about her, really. I uh, I got lots of notes, but I'll try. I'll just fit them in whenever we can sort of can. So I, I know you got lots of stuff over there. So uh, let's talk about uh, what John McCain had to say. Uh, John McCain commented about protesters during his speech. I guess a couple of dragged off. Please don't be diverted by the ground noise and the static. Uh, he offered an olive branch to Barack Obama. A word to Senator Obama and his supporters. We'll go at it over the next two months. You know, that's the nature of this business. And there are big differences between us. But you have my respect and my admiration. I have so many questions, and I don't even know if I care enough to, to ask them, because, again, they just... the last thing you can ask them, really. I, then I guess I will. First of all, A, I'm just waiting for a moment. A, that line when he says, don't be diverted by the brown noise and the static... I guess that was probably, they probably don't you think give him some pre-prepared lines in case there's a disruption. Just like, uh, you know, Carson used to have those setups for when an audience didn't laugh at a joke. And then he would sort of, you know, do the, the fill up off of it. Exactly. Um, and he said, I haven't seen an audience this dead since blah, 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 blah. But um, it is interesting that, the, you know, the, the don't be distracted by the brown noise, which I guess is sort of code for don't be distracted by differing opinions. Yes. But I guess that was the code pink folks that were there. Those were the, you know, the sort of anti-war uh, protesters. And there was a whole bunch of them, and I think probably three, four, five times during McCain's speech, somebody would stand up, and you wouldn't hear what they were saying. It would just be like a lot of, Iraq, and then, but you know what the crowd would do? Almost as if they had been instructed to do this, every time a protester would open their mouth, the crowd would, of course, begin chanting, USA, because that's what they do, and then some guys would come over and drag the protesters out. But what's interesting is that Dick Giuliano told us that those code pink protesters were given press credentials by the Republican uh, National Committee, mm-hmm. which then prompts the question, did they do that specifically because they wanted protesters so that they would then be like, this is the enemy. This is who we must align against. So I was wondering about that. Also, and I'll skip ahead just to one of my notes that I made. Uh, what does it say? It says, um, I feel bad for John McCain. And I did several times. One, because he, you know, it's like it took sort of Sarah Palin to make people energized or enthusiastic about the about the the ticket and about the campaign that he's running. And he comes out last night and you realize that nobody was really excited about him. Nobody was really excited about anything. No, he, there wasn't thunderous applause. No. There was polite, quiet applause. You know, and whether one agrees with him or not, he's a guy who's been working in Washington for a long time. He has been a, you know, he's a long time serving member, uh, you know, of, 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 of our, you know, he, he's a member of our government. He is one of the people who stepped forward to lead our country. And, you know, war hero, da 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 all that stuff. But it took Sarah Palin to be sort of the bright, shiny object that sort of they waggle in front of people. Well, what happened is they had to dumb him down so much that he kind of lost his appeal. Right. Well, because I think he got tired of losing. Right. That's the thing. It, he, John McCain is to politics as the goo-goo dolls are to, uh, are to music, which is a thing you're never going to hear anybody else say. Because you remember anything about the goo-goo dolls? They used to be, well, in fact, I think they still are. They're on a, I was talking to Chris Paddock about this yesterday. The Google Goo Goo Dolls, which I cannot say, are on a record label. They're on Metal Blade Records. And Metal Blade Records is the home of bands like Cannibal Corpse and just all of these like really like aggressive. They were they put out the very first Metallica recording. And the Goo Goo Dolls used to be this really sort of like aggro kind of punk kind of band, sort of like a replacements type band. And Johnny Resnick just got tired of never selling any records. I mean, he said that in interviews, like, ah, I just wasn't making any money, so I had to do something different, which is why they started cranking out endless songs that all sound like Iris uh, on KCMD Portland. 
And that's John McCain. He just got tired of losing. He realized that he's 72 years of age. If he's going to get elected, it's now or never. So he just decided to water everything down until he became electable. And that's his decision. Doesn't You know, if he wants to do that, that's fine. But it must be frustrating that he does all of this, makes all of these compromises, and he still can't get any attention until he puts, like, some hot girl standing next to him. And that's it. And then, and this goes to the sound clip you just played, all last night, at least three or four times, he would be interrupted by these protesters and then by the crowd chanting USA, USA. And you would look at John McCain and he would keep doing this like, no, I'm up. Hello? Anybody? I'm talking. I, I'm running for president. And he would try to sort of get their attention. And he's not good enough of a speaker to go off the cuff. You know, he can't really roll with the changes. And so he would pause and he would just kind of go, uh, uh, anyway, and then go back to the prepared text. And I felt so bad because the crowd clearly could not have cared less about him last night. They were not into him at all. Maybe could use some dancers on stage, all dressed as John McCain. Like the dancing Edos? Yes. So the dancing Palins, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I just, but I did, I mean, I know, you know, whatever. He, it you know, lasted, that speech lasted a long time. Oh, it was interminable. Time. It was, as Oscar Wilde once said about a book, I think somebody said this last night, that the only thing wrong with that book is the covers are too far apart. John McCain's speech just went on, and it just sounded like a stump speech. Just sounded very low energy. Not everybody can be Bill Clinton or Sarah Palin. But I felt bad for him. I know he's rich and he's famous and he's running for president. Boo-hoo. But I did feel like here's a guy who's climbed this political mountain his whole life. Here he is at what ought to be, barring actual getting elected, this is the pinnacle of his political career so far. The highest point to which he has ever climbed. And the crowd, it was like they were watching the warm-up act uh, you know, at the Copa. They just... It's like you're seeing some... You, you know, boring ballad in the middle of a rock concert. Yeah, they could not have cared less about him. I felt very bad for him. Uh, so let's feel bad some more. Uh, McCain uh, respects uh, what, what Barack Obama and his supporters do. And I wouldn't be an American worthy of the name if I didn't honor Senator Obama and his supporters for their achievement. But let there be no doubt, my friends, we're going to win this election. We're uh, McCain says Palin will be in for a real awakening of the nation's capital. I'm very proud to have introduced our next vice president to the country, but I can't wait until I introduce her to Washington. Washington doesn't have an R. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, let's see here. Uh, McCain says, oh, Republicans have learned many lessons since the last election. We lost their trust when rather than reform government, both parties made it bigger. See, that's kind of a cool thing there that he actually... No, he, he admits that they're wrong. He would acknowledge that the country is sort of on the wrong track and that there is blame to go around, including his including his own party. See, that's, that's where you see that little spark where you realize that he probably was a true independent at one point. And maybe he's just lying to get into office and then he becomes a maverick all over again. Doesn't seem likely. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you sort of see the kind of the guy that he probably was at one point. Mm. I mean, even before him, they had the most, that, that uh, what's that guy's name, Graham Cracker or whatever? Lindsey Graham. Yeah. Lindsey Graham, it's funny you should say that. Uh, Bland and with a southern accent. It's That's all you need to know. You can fill in the rest of the blanks. This is exactly when I wrote down about that. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I wrote down, because Lara made this observation, and she didn't know who it was because she caught the end of the speech, but I came home, and, and uh, she had been watching part of it early, and Lara goes, I don't know who he was, but I saw the most Republican-looking guy in yeah. my entire life on the television earlier. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, I don't know. I can't even describe him. But if you saw him on the street for five seconds, you'd know he was a Republican. He just looks like it. And I turned on it. It was Lindsey Graham, who is like, 
He, is, he could be like an Amway salesman or, or a Mormon. Hey, he, he is just hella Republican. And I, and, I, and I don't even know. I can't even really explain what that means. It's not like he's just a white guy. A lot of well, white. He's, he's from their D-list. They didn't really have any big names there. I mean, many, many, many bland white guys to go around in this country. So it's not just that. There is a certain look, and I don't know what it is. Maybe there's a Democratic look too, but there's a look when you look at it and you go, "That guy is a that guy is a Republican." Just like you can go, "That guy's a Mormon." I don't know why. There's some intangible, but she totally. Yeah, Lindsey Graham is like the most Republican-looking guy I've ever seen. Uh, let's see. He also, you know, what Lindsey Graham looks like? He looks like a grown-up version of Pete Campbell on Mad Men. Mm-hmm. If you, if you take Pete Campbell, you advance him about 40 years, he's Lindsey Graham. I mean, can you imagine the line around the building to see Lindsey Graham? <laughs> Lindsey Graham speaking tonight. Right, right next door to the Tito Jackson show. Uh, so we're moving on here. Uh, McCain says the Republican Party must return to its roots. We're going to recover the people's trust by standing up again to the values Americans admire. The party of Lincoln, Roosevelt, and Reagan is going to get back to basics. Now, the Roosevelt, I bet, was Teddy Roosevelt. But a lot of people thought it was FDR. Mm. He talked about a Democrat. Right. Uh, Let's see what else do we have here. He says his program is different from that of Barack Obama. I will cut government spending. He will increase it. My tax cuts will create jobs. His tax increases will eliminate them. He says people must have more health care choices like we don't already in their old. My health care plan will make it easier for more Americans to find and keep good health care insurance. Good health care insurance? Uh, you know, well, uh, to be fair, the, de- the Democrats lied about health care all last week. And they're going to lie about it again. Yeah, and the Democrats are going to lie all about health care and about oil and about clean coal. Uh, and and it, nothing's really going to change. No, the, de- the Democrats lied about all that stuff last week, and the Democrats are going to lie about it for the next two months. And then they'll get into office and lie some more. So, But it was this week, it was the Republicans' turn to lie, and there you go. Lie! Here's a question. And uh, Todd the Corpse asked this, and I, I was going to ask this, too. He says, I don't understand Code Pink. He said, I assume they were a breast cancer awareness group because they've cornered the market on pink. He says it's a terrible name for that reason, also because it gives lazy pundits an easy way to make a pink Okami remark. So what does Code Pink even mean? And I, I don't really know. I, I have no idea where that name it came from. I mean, it's not like a not like like a, like a gay anti-war group or something. I, I just It seems I don't know where. I don't know whence that name derives. I have uh, no explanation for that. So, all right. John McCain says he'll keep jobs in America. We all know that keeping taxes low helps small businesses grow and create new jobs. Cutting the second highest business tax rate in the world will help American companies compete. Now we have Barack Obama, who apparently was on the O'Reilly Factor. And nobody watched it, so we have some clips here. Uh, During an interview on Fox News, Obama said there are underlying problems with the operation of U.S. troops in Iraq. We have reduced the violence, but the Iraqis still haven't taken responsibility. And we still don't have the kind of political reconciliation. We are still spending, Bill, 10 to $12 billion a month. They wouldn't give him a decent microphone? No. It sounds like he's in a cardboard box. Uh, I read somewhere the other day, I don't know if this is true, it's one of those things you sort of hear, mm-hmm. but I was reading somewhere the other day where they were saying that the, and I do believe this because because they got tons of oil and they're not having to pay for anything. Yeah. I read somewhere the other day, the Iraqi government, they have some insane thing like $80 billion in reserve mm-hmm. in their economy right now. 
And it, it does seem like at a certain point you just got to say, look, we're done. Just run it yourself, you know, and, and leave. And just run it yourself, and if you screw up and bomb anything, we're going to come over here and nuke you. So just keep it together. And then we just get out. Uh, does it, you know, it, or else we got it. It seems like you're going to do one of two things. Either say, look, you got the money and the motivation and the government to keep this together. So start taking care of your own crap because we're leaving. Or you got to just say, look, you're clearly children. And you're never going to run this place properly, so we're going to kick you out and we're just going to annex the whole thing. It, there's really only those two roads. I wish we could just make up our mind. Uh, Obama says it is unacceptable for Iran to possess a nuclear weapon and that he would consider military action. It's sufficient to say I would not take the military option off the table and that I will never hesitate to use our military force in order to protect the homeland and the United States interests. But I, where I disagree with you is the notion that we've exhausted every other resource. The U.S. should say focused in Afghanistan and put more pressure on Pakistan. We are providing them military aid without having enough strings attached. So they're using the military aid that we use. They are, they're preparing for war against India. So here he is back on the attack saying John McCain is wrong about the economy. John McCain the other day said that he thought the economy was fundamentally sound. The fundamentals of the economy were sound. Now, what's more fundamental than having a job? What's more fundamental than seeing your incomes keep pace with inflation. You know, the thing about Obama, the thing Obama's got going for him that so often Democrats don't is he does, and this is important, he does sound masculine when he talks. He really does. And that Americans respond to that. Uh, and then, you know, Bill Clinton had, Bill Clinton was just like once in a lifetime that where he had that weird combination of masculine and sensitive. And Obama is a little bit, you know, it's not quite that balanced. Obama's much more masculine than I think he is sensitive. But he does have the air of authority when he talks. And that is, you know, that sort of stentorian delivery. And that's going to be real crucial, especially if you're talking to people about something other than bombing folks. So, by the way, there's a great little clip going around the uh, the Intertron uh, yesterday, today, of, in the wake of the Bristol Palin thing, of Bill O'Reilly talking about Jamie Lynn Spears uh, getting pregnant as a teenager and saying, the fault lays squarely on the parents who were irresponsible. Fantastic. Uh, let's do a couple of these, and then we'll resume with that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi. I Hi. just wanted to say that John McCain reminds me of Richard Dreyfuss. Um, the character is an American president. Yeah. Uh, My name is Bob. Bob Rumson. Bob Rumson, and yeah. I'm running for president. Yeah. It was so sad. Yeah. So sad. John McCain, and I don't pretend to know anything about him, does seem like, at heart, a fundamentally decent man. But oh, he, I he just I would have seems, voted for him in 2000. He seems like a guy who maybe has just been overwhelmed by his desire to win, and he has just let that sort of get in the way of, of him and whatever he was, you know? So just my read well, on it. Well, as a born Alaskan, I'm not really happy with the vice president. Hey, as an Alaskan, let me, let me ask you this question. So mm -hmm. I know that we've talked about this business of the stipend that every man, woman, and child gets in Alaska, and it was like it's 15... It's a permanent fund. Yeah, it was like 1500 a year, and now it's... No, it all depends. Every barrel of oil that is goes through Valdez mm -hmm. is taxed by the state of Alaska. Okay. That money then goes into a permanent fund that each year the board of directors sit down in the end of September. Right. And they take the interest, just the interest of the account. Okay. And they divide it up evenly among all eligible citizens of Alaska. So when they first did it in 1983... Mm-hmm. We all got a thousand bucks. 
But last year it was something it was like thirty five hundred or something. No, no, no. It's never been over twenty one hundred dollars. Okay. It's right. been as low as three hundred and eighty nine dollars. All right, and that is based on the interest on the tax of the Valdez oil. Correct. Right. It's it's on the principal. It's the interest off the principal, here's and a, it's, so it's divided up like five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, five hundred and fifty thousand ways. So here's a dumb question: Who does that oil belong to? Does that belong to the state or to the oil company? Legally, who yes. owns that oil? Who owns that oil? Yeah, is it the state you know, of Alaska? I do believe that they consider it as state of Alaska property right. that is being used or bought by the company. Okay, excellent. All right. So, yeah. Th- thank but, you for the you clarification. Know, that's right. And the thing is, is um, our wonderful governor, uh, Jay Hammond, who was a Republican, who, who set up the permanent fund, uh, the federal government came through in the 80s and said that it was um, unconstitutional to pay citizens that much money. Right. And he goes... Oh, well, I'm sorry. You you should have read the fine print there where it says, you know, if this is seen to be, you know, unlawful or something, they'll split the principal up evenly among everybody. And so about 1985, we all would have been like $1.5 million richer. Uh, well, one can always dream. All right, thank you. That's uh, Becky. Here's the only reason I ask for the – thank you for the clarification. The only reason I ask is uh, – we have to work very hard to keep from becoming that radio program. And by that program, I mean the... And so looking at fiscal year um, 1984, um, we see a series of irregularities where um, what had been 3.5% um, per you know, annum uh, became 4.3%. And this represents a fiscal gain. You know, you don't want to be that. But I'm intrigued by this whole business of the Alaskans getting the check in the mail from the tax on the oil or whatever, just for being Alaskans. I got two, and I'm not, I have to tell you, please don't call about it, but I, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. Because on the one hand, you got to figure, okay, well, if the, if the oil belongs to Alaska, if, in other words, if it belongs to the state, if it belongs to Alaska, and they're going to sell it to the oil companies, well, maybe then everybody ought to get a little something from that. I mean, I guess I can see that. But on the other hand... That's socialism. But see, but that's my thing. On the other hand, and I'm not starting to start some fight about it, I'm just curious. On the other hand... Aren't Republicans always saying, like, they don't want to give people free money for not doing anything? Yes. And that's what that is. It's not a tax refund because that's not a refund on taxes. That is, as she just said, that is literally money that Alaska gives you just for having been born there. It is a yearly check of sometimes thousands of dollars that you are given for having done nothing. That is the government taking resources, dividing them up, and giving out free money to people for nothing. And that does sound a lot like what people don't like about this country sometimes, is the perception that you just get free money in the mail. So I, I it just it all seems very weird. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. This is why I don't even like to think. Hello, hi. Hey, Rick, how are you? What's up? Hey, um, one thing I find kind of interesting, you know, that they're out there digging the dirt on everybody. I'm wondering why they didn't uh, haven't talked about Cindy McCain's huge, huge Vicodin problem. Uh, drug addict stole from her own charity to pay for it. She sure did. Yeah, she did. But she loves children. She loves children. That was a good friend of Mother Teresa. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you guys knew about it then, right? Well, it's, it's just, I... Well, we, we didn't sell it to her. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, so I wasn't well, the, the dealer. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe because there's just too much to keep track of. Well, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a rather needy yeah. issue, but you just don't hear anything about right. it. So, anyway, Tim could look into it and probably make a pretty pretty decent story out of it. It's kind of an interesting interesting road that she traveled for All a right. while there. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye. bye. 
Yeah, well, that's like, you know, the thing with Laura Bush killing that guy, you know. I mean, and to be fair, the thing with Susan McCain is I guess it happened a long time ago, and uh, apparently she made restitution and whatever. But, yeah, she was, uh, by her own admission, uh, was a junkie. Well, and, what are the rich and idols supposed to do? Yeah, sit around and uh, sit around and take little blue pills, Tim. Uh, yeah, she was junkie, was stealing from her own uh, from her own charity to cover her addiction. Uh, hi, one more, and then we'll do some more news, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up? So... I called in about a story that I thought uh, you'd be interested in. On a Friday, I was had to fly to Colorado. Well, I was flying back from uh, Junction City, Colorado, for work. Mm-hmm. A relatively small airplane. Um, when you take off, you know there's you know a little bit of turbulence and everything's good. And I kind of started remembering when you had, were uh, messing around with Sarah playing that Blood Rock song. Yes, sir. Um, so as soon as we hit the clouds, there was. A 20-second free fall, and all I could do was get that song <laughs> stuck in my head. And it just kept cutting from teach me how to die to the chorus while we're falling, and everyone's screaming, and it was insane, and I decided to, ooh. Excellent. That's fantastic. I mean, not for you, but for us. That's wonderful. Well, I'm gl- you know, I'm glad the Rick Emerson show could be, uh, could be part of the experience for you, sir. Oh, yeah. And Rick. Yes. All right, yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Is that Ricky? Oh, yeah. What is happening in the background? Uh, what is that saying? Is it the is that song? I believe it's some rap music All that right. the kids like. Yeah, it sounds like a. All right, it, it's, you know, Richie's uh, phone is ringing Richie. in the background. Richie's iPhone. Oh, All right, Richie. thank you. Oh, that's always good when the phone uh, rings and don't then don't answer it. The it, phone rings and you it, say, it, "Oh, that that's the pregnant lady." Dump the screen says, "Pregnant lady." Yeah. Do not it's answer. Coming. Send to voicemail. Uh, I can't remember what we talked about. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, are, do we have more uh, political news? Not right now. So should I do my notes when we come back or later or when? Well, if you want to close up this political segment, I would advise you to do them now. Okay, Tim. Uh, I will, uh, let's see, I will do my notes, then I'll play us in the break uh, with a little something that you can probably guess. And uh, and then we'll break and we'll come back with other stuff. Don't forget, later on, we're going to talk to ready correspondent Bob Costantini, Aaron Geek in the City Duran. Top five righteous metal anthems to be blaring in the background of a D&D game as uh, voted on by the geeks at DragonCon 2008. Uh, high Concept Friday. And we'll talk to Richie about his, uh, the, his, the Jerry Springer show that is his life. All right, just other notes from last night. No real order. Um, bless you. Oh, thank you. The power of boobs, I wrote down. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're selling, what you're pimping, what is you're pitching, what you're Lewis pushing. Spoon? Yes, it is, Tim. That's the power of boobs. Doesn't matter what your product is, to whom you're marketing it, you never go wrong with boobs. Last night, they were showing the Republican convention, and let's be honest, there's kind of a scarcity of attractive women there. But at the end of it, when they were doing the big wrap-up and the balloons and the whatever, and the number of balloons there mystifies me. Where do they all come from? I mean, I know from the ceiling, but do they have some sort of layered release system? I believe so, yeah. Because it seems like every time you look, there's a thousand new balloons coming out. layers of nets, like I can do net on net on net. I want a little, like, a Discovery Channel thing into, like, how that works, the balloon drop. It fascinates me. Um, let's, that's my favorite part of any convention, the balloon drop. I'm a sucker for that. But at the end, they're doing the whole, like, you know, that was the Republican convention, brought to you by Multomeal, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they show some chick in the front row, a uh, hot girl, uh, very well endowed, tight, low-cut shirt, and the camera stays on her. She dances to cool in the gang for like 30 seconds. Let's see what else. Uh, this is all I'm going to say about this, at least for now, because I don't want to. I don't want to. Because as I said, it's Friday, and Friday is Friday is our let's keep the smile affixed day. Mm-hmm. It does seem a little, perhaps awkward or jarring or maybe ill-advised for the crowd to 
cheer a 9-11 video, which they did. So, But if you remember, the Bush crowd cheered when he made the announcement that they had killed Osama bin Laden. Wait, I don't even know what you're... Osama bin Laden. Oh, uh, Saddam? Yes, really? There was huge cheers came out of the audience. So these are Republicans. Yeah, it's just uh, they had this big four-and-a-half-minute 9-11 video, about which I won't say anymore right now, because it just did... This is a conversation that could turn sort of awkward. And I I don't want to dwell on it for the same reason I didn't want to watch it last night. Um, But they end this 9-11 thing with a big shot of the Twin Towers, and then the whole place just erupts in huge, rapturous applause, which just made me feel weird. Uh, I don't, in whatever way, it just made me feel icky, uh, for lack of a better word. Let's see what else we got. Um, what is with the weird cable access TV background? Really, it was like the WB weather backdrop behind them, kind of shifting and changing colors. Yeah. It was, it was like you were watching that old, that stand-up special, Bill Cosby himself, with the slowly changing color screen in the background. What else? Uh, Lindsey Graham, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Oh, man, I got the, so did you watch that short film about Sarah Palin? They ran a, a five-minute film. Oh, is that, is that the film they were supposed to run they were the night before, but Rudy Giuliani ran over? Yeah, they ran late, and that. No. they had a five-minute intro film. Who is Sarah Palin? And they ran it last night. I pulled some great sound from it, and it is great. Did you get a chance to read that uh, New York Post I brought back from you? I did. Sarah brought me back a New York Post. In the front, it's McCain and Palin, and it just says, wow, in big letters. Oh. All Palin. Yeah, it is a, It is insane. Tim, you have to look at this I have to thing. Look at it's it. the day after. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um... Uh, oh, while you're looking, incidentally, McCain beat Obama in the ratings for the uh, the big victory speech. Really? Yeah, by a few thousand. Good for him. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, I have here Wolf and Anderson Cooper wearing exactly the same outfit. Accident or intentional? And it does look it look like it was intentional. They all the same outfit. Anderson Cooper was sick and tired of Wolf Blitzer by the end of the evening. Man, he I just wanted to leave. It's like every time you talk to me, I'm going to give you a stupid answer unless you stop it. I uh, I called this last week. Anderson Cooper does not like Wolf Blitzer. No. I saw it last week at the DNC thing. He doesn't like him. Wolf is grating on the nerves after a while, though. Yeah. There's just something about him. It's like, will you please be quiet? He tries a little too hard to be funny. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Wolf Blitzer. He tries a little too hard to be funny, and he tries a little too hard to keep it light. And Wolf Blitzer needs to realize that his strength is being serious. You know, he's the guy with the gravitas. But Wolf Blitzer, it was so awkward. He's like, well, I love that rock and roll they're playing, Anderson. I mean, don't say that. Please don't say these things. Uh, yeah, so I have here, uh, Anderson Cooper still hates Wolf Blitzer. Uh, what else? Uh, cool in the Gang. And then I because they're playing Celebrate or Celebration or whatever that horrible song is. And then I made a note to myself, Republican taste is always 20 years behind rest of country. See also Sarah Palin's hair. So everything that the GOP does is like 20 years behind the rest of the world. Sarah Palin's hair, cool in the gang, that Madonna joke that Mike Huckabee made. Like, they're always about 1989 right now. No one ever, just like we don't need to hear Born in the USA, we don't need to hear that cool in the gang. So three times they played it. Let's see. Uh, What else? Um, uh, Oh, final note about it, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back, and I will play these couple Sarah Palin cuts just because they're funny. Final, they had that William Bennett guy on. Uh, to, to be the sort of, uh, you know, he was talking about the, you know, I guess he's a Republican strategist or whatever. But they had William Bennett on, and William Bennett, of course, William J. Bennett, is the guy who wrote The Book of Virtues. A book that everybody bought and never read. You read it once, you put it on a shelf, you forgot about it. The Book of Virtues. You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you ran for The Book of Virtues. Tim had to step out of the room, but Tim totally will remember The Book of Virtues. About every ten years in this country, a book comes out that is, a, like, full of, like, real sage and homespun advice and wisdom. You know, just common folk talking about common things, giving you some common sense. And then everybody goes and they buy it, 
and they put it, they read it, and they read it, and they vow to themselves, like when you're buying a Bible or an encyclopedia, you'll read it and read it to your children. And then you read it once, and then you put it on the shelf. Tim, Book of, Va- book of Virtues, William Bennett. Book of Virtues. You remember that book? I do. See? Bo- yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it is, and it's just this big-ass book full of home, like little stories and like cutesy anecdotes. And like a little boy was walking home from school, and he saw $3 on the ground. And he said to himself, should I spend this on candy or give it to the poor? I mean, it's just these <laughs> terrible, these terrible like Reader's Digest anecdotes about how to be a good person. That book in like about 1995 was huge, huge. Uh, everybody bought it. Every parent bought it. Every kid in college got it as a gift. You read it once, you put it on the shelf. Laura has it. You read it once, you put it on the shelf, never read it again. And it was this book of homespun virtues that everybody read and then forgot about. But you probably still own it. How about the People's Almanac? Yeah. I haven't seen one of them around in a while. So that's my thing. Is about every ten years, a book like that comes out where people go, by God, the answer to life is in this, this Rube's book. And you, buy, you know what it was before that? You know exactly what it was before the Book of Virtues. Ten years earlier, you know what it was? Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, mm. which everybody bought, everybody read, and then you forgot about it. You haven't read it in like 20 years. So there you go. All right. Um, well, let's take a break. We'll come back. Some uh, A little bit of Sarah Palin sound around the, uh, around the corner. Then we have actual real news to get to. Uh, then we have a Britney watch coming up today. Is that true? Yes. We have a Britney watch. Jackson Watch. Uh, let's see what else coming up. I think we have a Geek Watch later on. Uh, Aaron Duran will join us in the studio. Bob Costantini and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Indeed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. By the way, code pink. It's called that because it's a women's... Uh, Peace organization. And women like pink. They do, Sarah. It's a girl's color. Things that are bright and shiny. All right. Uh, before we move on to actual news, and by actual news I mean Britney Spears, let me just—I'm uh, going to play just a handful of things here, and I'm going to read one small thing. Oh, you know, I meant to play Blood Rock. Why are we doing the next break? Because uh, that's because of the guy, and, and plus, you know, there's somebody flying, so that Blood Rock will be for you, unnamed sir or madam. Let me uh, get these uh, queued up here, Palin. Palin 1, Palin 2. Now, have I not? Did, do I, did I lose the, the last one? I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm talking to uh, talking to nobody here. Well, I may have uh, I may have lost the last one, in which case it was Zuta Lewis. I have missed one, in which case I apologize. Let's see if I got all three of them. I had three Palin things, and I think I only brought the... I think I only brought two of them down with me. We'll see if I've got the stuff that counts. So, this is from this short film they were showing last night. Uh, to introduce Sarah Palin. You're right when you said that they were supposed to play it the other night, but Rudy Giuliani ran long. And so, um, so this must have been played really early. Yeah, yeah, they were playing this. Uh, they were playing this last night, and it was part of. It was like they were doing this whole thing about like who is Sarah Palin, and I can see already now that I that I actually did not bring with me kind of the most important one. So while I play these smaller ones, I'm going to see if I can find it on the find it on YouTube because it is worth noting. But here's just two small ones. So we've got. And I only point this out because it sounds like a South Park thing. I mean, Laura really was making the point that this sounds like a joke. If you saw this in some sort of a South Park, who is Mr. Garrison thing, it would it would be totally appropriate. Because they keep hitting this moose business with her. That she hunts moose and she eats moose and she, you know, whatever. And it's like, how many times uh, can you say moose? Let's see. So this is uh, the first of these sound bites. If I can just... Uh... Mother, 
Moose Hunter. Maverick. Really? The three M's. I mean, is that really... Mother Moose Hunter Maverick? Is that really the best we can do in this country? Mother Moose, Moose Hunter Maverick. Mother Moose Hunter Maverick. Is that Casey Kasem? Uh, no. Well, wait, no. No, that wouldn't be Casey Kasem. If that was Casey Kasem, don't you think they would have, uh, they would have said something? Don't you Get think? done on the phone. Wait. Are my pictures here? <laughs> Mother, Moose Hunter, Maverick. Ah, uh, that Maverick doesn't sound like The Maverick doesn't, like but the Mother, Moose Hunter? Mother? Uh, I, well, now I don't know. Is that Casey Kasem? Uh, Tim, what do you, where, where do you like come him. down? All right, hold on, i got to play it one more time. I'm downloading the full, the full cut so I can, so I can play the thing I want to play, but, uh, let's see, where did it go? Let me get by. Mother? Mother, Moose Hunter, Maverick. I don't think so. I don't think it's him. I know, the way his voice breaks at that last and, and the moose hunter inflection at the very end. A little bit. Like I think Casey Kasem's almost a little more pinched sounding, a little more nasal. Oh, right. so, okay. <laughs> We're torturing everybody. Okay, but I'll uh, play it one more time because it sets up the next one. Mother. Mother. <laughs> moose hunter. Maverick. I mean, it's just dumb. You know, and, I bet the voiceover guy. Guy called, is this serious? <laughs> <laughs> Am I being punked? Uh, and so then this, so that's how they start the whole thing, right? That's how they begin it. it. Here's how that, that's the beginning. Here's how they end it. She loves integrity, frugality, and moose stew. She and loves true. Wait, what? Moose she loves integrity, integrity, frugality, frugality, and moose stew. And moose stew. Moose stew. This is our vice president. This is the best we can do. This is the 280 million people in this country. This is the best. Mother, moose hunter, maverick. She loves integrity, frugality, and moose stew. Moose stew sounds like a different language. <laughs> totally, it does. I'm fluent in Cherokee, uh, Iroquois, and moose stew. What do you need? Mustu, or Mustu sounds like the brother uh, of like an arms dealer. Mm -hmm. My brother Mustu will take care of you in the back room. Uh, all right, so this is the other thing. So this is not... Mother? It's not that. <laughs> it's this. All right, and this is more for Tim. Tim, um, uh, tell me if you can identify this. And I hope I'm skipping ahead blind here because I don't have Adobe Audition on this computer. Childhood of family. All right. It's unlimited. Okay, so tell me, Tim, what is the music playing in the background of this? Governor Sarah Palin. You'll, and you'll have to just ignore the dialogue because it's all stupid. It's all moose this and hockey mom that. But listen to the music they're playing back here. family attracted to Alaska by its unlimited promise and an environment suited to... Okay, it's going to start again here. Young Sarah had a child right here. family, hard work, and a love for the environment. Mm, wait for it. As a teenager... Sarah would rise at 3 a.m. to join her dad on pre-dawn moose hunts. She shared a room with two sisters that was heated through the Alaska winters. By it's a western. All right. You know what? But you recognize it, don't I do you? I recognize it. Do you know what it is? I didn't it, spot it. it. it is, oh, it's Dynasty. As all good things do, uh, as all as all good things are, this was, it, it was caught by my wife because I didn't notice it. But Lara, this is why she's best wife ever. She caught this. And I didn't. I'll play one more time. 3 a.m. to join her dad on pre-dawn moose hunts. She shared a room with two sisters that was heated through the Alaska winters. I think it's Dallas. By a wood stove. 
Let's go to play one more time. I think they cycled through it one more time here. Basketball team to a state championship. Graduated from she looked out as a basketball player, by the way. Before returning I think they cycled through one more time. Todd Palin, her high school sweetheart. The Palins are a busy clan, raising a family of five, ranging from a 19-year-old son who volunteered for the Army and is expecting to soon be sent to Iraq. It's the theme from Dallas. That's right. They're playing the theme from Dallas behind her. I mean, which is weird. I mean, so you have a woman born in Idaho, governor of Alaska, trying to work in Washington, and behind her they're playing the theme from Dallas. Here we go. Oh, the 80s, yeah. Seriously. Okay, so there's that. And then it slowed down. Teenager, Sarah would rise at 3 a.m. to join her oh band on pre-dawn It's the theme from Dallas, which is weird. Uh, you know, so whatever. It's just so they must. Now wait a minute. Was she living in Alaska as a young girl? I thought she moved there later. No, no, no. I think she moved there when she was three. Uh, to be fair, I think she was born in Idaho. So uh, she could have gone on a pre-dawn moose hunt. Yeah, no, I think. I mean, I don't think they'd make that up. They might exaggerate it. I can't imagine that they would just full-on make up the fact that she hunts. I, they would probably take a small hunting incident. Uh, you know, she did a little bit of hunting. They probably make it into a much bigger thing than it is. In other words, she's probably not quite the outdoor gal that they make her to be. But I can't imagine that. I mean, look, just coming from the Northwest. Wait, hold on. Let me, say that, let me say it the way you're required to say it during uh, convention season. Tim, let me tell you, as somebody who comes from a small town, I can talk about this. But, I mean, she's born in Idaho. She grew up in Alaska. It seems likely that she's an outdoor person. Uh, probably not to the extent that they're making it seem. Mm -hmm. But the theme from Dallas being played behind her, especially in some weird orchestral version, is just, it's just... She loves integrity, frugality, and moose, too. So there you go. All right, here's Tim Riley. So uh, let's talk about a couple of things going on in the Washington State. The Pierce County judge has set an execution date of September 19th. Isn't that the day of the, P the pig fest? Yes, it is. For convicted serial killer Robert Yates Jr. Something else to celebrate. Wait, is that here in Oregon? Uh, this is going on in uh, Washington. The 56-year-old former Army National Guard helicopter pilot convicted in 2002 for the murders of Melinda Mercer and Connie Ellis. Yates originally pled guilty to charges of killing 13 women in a deal with Spokane prosecutors so he could avoid the death penalty. But the prosecutors in Pierce County didn't sign the agreement so they could prosecute him. So there. Wait, this isn't the, uh, this isn't the Green River killer. I think this is the Green River guy. Yeah, uh, Yates' lawyer will file a stay of execution either today or tomorrow so they can appeal this conviction on grounds that there were trial errors. He killed thirteen. No, no, no. The no, uh, no, no. The uh, the Green River Killer is Gary Ridgeway. Oh, that's true. So who did this he? So he killed. They think he killed like ten, thirteen women. Yeah. How did that happen? And then we didn't notice it. Oh, what happened? That's. Yeah, it, it just fell by the wayside. You know, it's very hard to keep track of serial killers these days, Tim. Mm -hmm. One almost needs a calendar to do yeah. so. They're going to kill him on the nineteenth. Yes. Well, it seems like he probably isn't coming. Oh, by the way, um, let's see here. We uh, that is it's it's. Let's see if we can clarify this here. Hello, do you you know who the narrator of the film is? Yeah, I think it's John Voight. That's right, oh, it is. It is right. John Voight. Yep. Yeah, because there was a story I'm ashamed of. Wait. Yeah, we talked about yesterday. I suck. Mother. Moose Hunter. Yeah. That's a good voice. Maverick. Yeah. She loves integrity, yeah. frugality, and moose too. Yeah, now that's John Voight. I can see that. 
From uh, deer hunter to moose hunter. <laughs> wow, boy, you get points for that. Hey, well yeah. done, sir. You have my you have my uh, my congratulations and commendations for that line. Did you work on that, or did that just come to you? No, it just came to me in the last minute there. Genius. All right, thank you. Thank you. From deer hunter to moose hunter, the John Boyd's she loves moose stew. Here's Tim Riley. We had to cook a moose in two weeks. Mm-hmm. A man who nearly hanged his wife in the garage of their Spokane home pled guilty to second-degree attempted murder. 38-year-old Sean Jennings will spend 12 years in prison. He lured his wife into the noose October 7th by telling her he had set up a haunted house for Halloween. Oh, that ain't right. He released her when she lost consciousness. He told her hanging was better than divorce. The divorce was finalized a month later. Well, there is some fun going on in Washington. The Puyallup County Fair opens today. It's fun for the entire family. Uh, the fellow who runs it, uh, the spokeswoman Karen Laflamme, says every year scones are one of the most popular treats at the Puyallup Fair. I think people are still jittering from it. <laughs> you won't find fried trickies at the food stand this year, though. Nitro ice cream is ice cream that is frozen using liquid nitrogen, which freezes it faster and makes it a smoother ice cream. Why not try some at the Puyallup Fair? Does it seem like we've reached the point in American society where all of our advancements are in making tiny, tiny changes to things that were already kind of perfect the way they were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I read the story the other day about them. I mean, I imagine all the car companies do this, but I think it was um, I think it was Honda they were talking about. And they said that Honda, and I guess this should go without saying, Honda has a whole team of people who work at the sort of, not at the factory as such, but there's people who work at Honda, and their whole job is to create what they call, not subliminal, but it was word like it, but it was like these almost imperceptible aesthetic changes. In other words, there's a guy at Honda, literally, I'm not making this up, his job is to design the, um, you know, like when you get into the car and you grab the door handle to pull it shut, and there's that, you know, grab that plastic sort of door handle on the inside of the door. His job is to create the texture of the plastic that they make the door handle out of so that when you touch it with your hand to shut the door, it has a satisfying texture to your hand. I mean, who knew that there was such a job? There's another guy whose job it is to work on the sound that a Honda's door makes when you close the door. So when you're getting into the car and you pull the door shut, they want it to make a satisfying but solid whoomph sound. And when you think about it, like you've a got dirty noise. Yeah, but but not metal on metal because they want it to sound like a plush luxury car, but they want it to sound safe. So if you notice, if you get into a brand new car these days, you shut the door, it has a heavy, solid but muffled whoomph sound, and it's because the car is supposed to sound heavy and solid and durable, but not like it's made out of metal because people don't want metal cars. It's the weirdest thing. So what is with ice cream? I mean, I think I think they figured ice cream out like five billion years ago. It's it's odd that we're spending a lot of our engineering talent on that product, but who am I to judge? You're listening to KCMD Portland. Here's Tim Riley. Eek a mouse. A teenage girl has discovered a mouse in a movie theater bathroom. Stephanie Cooch said uh, her summer night at the movies came to an unsuspected surprise at Regal Movies on TV. That's in Hillsboro. She was inside the girl's bathroom when she saw a little black thing running around. I went to see it, and sure enough, it was a little mouse. The Regal corporate office said managers were taking aggressive action to take care of this mouse problem. The management of uh, movies on TV are aware of the mouse sighting and therefore have taken further precautions, working with experts in the Environmental Services Committee. Uh, Cooch said she told the movie employee about the sighting. She said the employee acted as if the rodent was an ordinary problem. It was just really disgusting and unsanitary. I don't feel like watching a movie with the rats running around everywhere. Cooch said she had another rodent encounter not too long ago. She said, quote, 
A month ago, in the main entrance, my friend and I were just standing there, and a rat fell from the ceiling. <laughs> okay. Now, I, who knows if that's correct? Okay, so I was going to say that a mouse running across the floor is not like the biggest problem in the world. But a, a, rat, a rat falling out of the ceiling is, I would think, cause for maybe some sort of suspicion about their cleanliness. Maybe it was part of a, a movie promotion. Maybe it was viral marketing for Cloverfield, too, Tim. It could be. <laughs> so uh, they've had rodent problems at this theater before. I, I remember uh, people's toes being bitten. Is that true? Yeah. a few. It was a couple of years ago, but they've had rodent problems here before. Well, you know, there's that story they always tell about bars, and I believe it's to be true. Uh, I believe it to be true. That in bars, they got that brass rail where your feet sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're like at an old school bar, and there's the brass rail, and your your shoes sit on it when you're at the bar. And the story always was that bars were so disgusting, they wanted your feet off the floor so you wouldn't feel the rats running across your feet as they scurried to like get food off the floor. And I think kind of old school theaters were that way too. They had the little little bar on the floor thing. Uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. What's up? Hey, Rick, how you doing? I am fantastic. How can I help you today? Hey, the um the guy that's sentenced uh, to go down on September 19th in Pierce County. Yeah. I believe that is the South Hill Killer from Spokane. See, now, maybe it's because I don't live in Spokane. I didn't even know there was a South Hill Killer. Yeah. Well, I mean, apparently there is because they're going to yeah. kill him. But uh, so this is so he killed uh, or allegedly they think he killed a bunch of like, what, 10, 12 women on the South Hill in Spokane? Yeah. That would be up like around 57th? I have absolutely no idea. I was trying to be uh, relatable to, uh, to Spokaneans just there. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for the clarification, sir. Yeah, you bet. All right, there you go. I figured it wasn't the Green River guy. Uh, I used to work on the South Hill. That's the only reason I know that. Because I, I work. I mean, that area is full of murderers and disappearing bodies and whatnot. Dude, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, just you know, as they say, in, to paraphrase Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of these days, the wrath of God, that whole city, Spokane, is just going to be uh, consumed by a sandstorm uh, that lasts an entire year, wiped clean by the face of God, uh, or whatever. Let's see. Uh, we'll do these, and then we'll talk to the birth of a salesman guy. Then we'll continue the news. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, hi Rick. How are you? What's up? Uh, you know, I saw last night, amazingly, that, that girl who saw the mouse was the top news story on Fox News. And of course. She just looked, you know what, it looked really, she looked like she just made the whole thing up. And then that's, the, that's the you, thing that's in the, you saying the mouse that, in the bathroom, the mouse in the bathroom seemed plausible. But then, you know, she told in in the seventeen year old giggly girl style of hey, and then the mouse fell out of the ceiling too. It was a big rat. That I mean, doesn't sound like a seventeen year old. That's uh, that's you making that allegation, sir. We of course are giving her the benefit of the doubt as uh, journalists. Yeah, alleged rat. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank All you. Right. You bet. Bye now. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, uh, Rick. You were you were talking about the uh, the brass rail. Yes, sir. Well, I I. Saw something on a trip to Australia last year that that that, that was kind of like the brass rail, except it was so disgusting you you wouldn't believe it. So at this bar in a little town called Wan Faggy on the southeast coast, they actually had a urinal under the bar, like a tr- you know those the like a, a trough. A trough. Yes. Wait, was, what do you mean? So it's like you could you could uh, lose the last beer while getting the next one without having to get up? Exactly. I couldn't believe it, and uh, it was the it was the single greatest thing I'd ever seen. Though I couldn't take advantage of it because I I I didn't see anyone else taking advantage of it. But and and because you're not a hick. Well, there's that. Yeah. All right. Maybe, but uh, there you have it. So we are really more civilized than we may think. All right. Here. Thank you. God bless you. All right. There you go. KCMD Portland, a CBS radio station. Let me just read a couple of these. Uh, Rick, doesn't Mother sound like Jim Morrison in the song The End? Please to edit them together. 
Let me see. I don't think. Let's see. Do I have that handy here, Leah? Mother, I'm going to kill you. No. All right. Uh, let's see. And one more here. This email says, um, as a writer, I am professional. Oh, I'm sorry. Personally offended by the whole she loves integrity, frugality, and moose stew thing. Really? Number one, he says none of those things outline a coherent idea. They have nothing to do with each other. And number two. Moose stew is offensive on many, many, many levels. It looks stupid, doesn't appeal to anyone, and most importantly, sounds incredibly lame when said out loud. Moose stew, moose stew, moose stew, moose stew. There's no way to it. It makes your lips feel funny because of how many ooh sounds it has, and it's just plain dumb. All right. See, I have a cooking with moose meat. Good recipes. Well, we, you know, who, who who are we to judge? Maybe we ought to... And there are several moose stew recipes available. Maybe not you, Tim, but maybe we ought to get some moose... You know, they talk about moose burgers in World War Z... There's that whole thing about that girl who's going to Alaska to escape the zombie uh, apocalypse. And the, you know, my dad just kept talking about how we'd have moose burgers. And so, maybe we ought to get some of that. Can we get? There's got to be a butcher shop around here that would hook us up with some moose. Mm, moose meat combined with bacon and onions and potatoes. Oh, I like Fresh that. Green beans, three bay leaves. I like that already. Four carrots, two pounds of moose cubed. Wait, oh, so this is actual? So this is a stew you're talking about? This is actual. I have moose stew recipes here. Let's exchange them. I wonder. One pack of fresh or frozen peas. One can of orange juice. Then can I come over and borrow a cup of sugar? Yes. Brown the bacon in a heavy kettle. Add the meat and brown on all sides. Add onions and saute. Add all remaining ingredients and simmer one hour until flavors are mixed and vegetables and meat are tender. Brown meat. Oh, don't right. forget to remove the bay leaves. Let's, uh, now why is that? Are those lethal? They always tell you to take out the bay leaves. What is the reason for that? Well, I put them in the first place. Well, because they're flavorful, but they always say to take the bay leaves out. Do you know why that is, Tim? I don't know. Yeah, me either, but it's the thing they always say. Don't eat the bay leaf. This would be a good side dish for the uh, the pig guy. We should totally bring we moose burgers. Moose stew. OMG. We, uh, come don't on. say OMG. Yeah, I'm being ironic. <laughs> we, uh, we should totally bring moose burgers. How about moose nose and jelly? You know, that might establish, you find moose burgers? That might establish us as mavericks. We go to that really good, um, you know, that place that has the good hot dogs and stuff on Woodstock. I bet they'd have moose burgers. Autos? Yeah. There's also, I wonder if Pasta Works would be able to get that sort of thing for you. Moose rump roast. One moose's rump. Rump. Really? Four Ingredients. Four of Worcestershire sauce, vegetable oil, salt and pepper, garlic, uh, oh, and one cup of water. Ingredients. One... Make sure you, dr- uh, you trim all the excess fat from the moose rump. One rump. And rub the moose rump with vegetable oil. That's only an Enum Claw. Let's, uh... I pondered for a second. You could hear the lag there as I pondered whether the to The moose rump has that. to be uh, roasted for three and a half to four hours. That gravy. You know what you... You know what you say, uh, moose rump? You kind of sound like Scooby-Doo. Salt and pepper to taste. <laughs> Putting oil on the rump. You got to do that. That's really the crucial step. Otherwise, it all goes bad. Uh, we'll resume the news in just a moment, for the love of God above. Let's uh, talk to uh, the latest entrant to the AM 970 Birth of a Salesman contest. Of course, we're looking for the next great American salesperson. And we've asked people to submit a uh, hundred word or less essay on why they want to be the next AM 970 uh, sales genius. And we're going to uh, talk to ten on the phone, five in the studio, and three of them uh, will get to talk to AM 970 General Sales Manager Michael Pashana. Perhaps one will walk out with the gig. This says, hey... I sold a Chevy Tahoe the other day. If the fact I sold one of those gas-guzzling things in this current economy doesn't qualify me as a great salesman, then nothing does. I've had experience in many fields, such as education, criminal justice, radio, sales, and the music industry. And then, check this out. 
I trained in European conservatories. I learned classical and flamenco guitar. I traveled the world for four years. I am fluent in three languages. My multifaceted personality makes me adaptable to any environment and is the key to my selling ability. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Stan. Hello, sir. Hello, can you read me? Yes, uh, what's up with your phone there? I'm on the Bluetooth. Let me just get off of this thing. Well, like any good salesperson, I have to be constantly on the Bluetooth. Multitasking. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. All right. All right. Please now. Um... Hello? Oh, no. He just lost the sale. Seriously, that's it. Done. Giving my business to. I'm giving my business to. Uh, giving my business to Dave Moss instead. Well, that was he anticlimactic. I was going to have him say hello in three different languages back to back. I'm sure he will be back. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Seriously, you never get a second chance, Tim. Yes, hi. Yes, what's up? Hey, I know where you can get moose if you need it. This sounds like a guy who, like, I can get you a Rolex if you want one. (laughs) No, there's a place down on uh, Mm -hmm. Southeast 2nd called Nikki USA. They deal in nothing but wild game. So uh, would I have to order that in advance, or can I just go in and go, like, I need three pounds of moose? Yeah, you can probably do that. I'm serious. I'm full on bringing moose burgers uh, to the to the this, this company roast thing in two weeks. I'm absolutely yeah, doing will, that. Uh, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. They have venison, moose, whatever. I, is, have you had moose? Um, no, no. I, I wonder if it's good. It. I wonder what it tastes like. Uh, I don't know. Probably like venison. All right. Yeah, venison. Like really elk good. or something like that. I imagine. Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally gonna. I wonder. If, it's probably expensive, but what do I care? It's, yeah, it's worth it for the gag, gamey, you know. You know? Yeah. Be a little gamey. I'm worth it for the humor. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, you betcha. All right, let's try this. Hello, Stan. Hey, just hey. lost the connection there. Sorry. Uh-huh. Well, let's hope that that lost connection wouldn't lose you business in the future, Stan. Certainly not. Okay. Well, please now do uh please now to introduce yourself to us uh in three different languages. Go. Minyasem Stanislav. Ya rodavayu nieto nieto yinijo. Uh and then in Spanish, let's try uh, uh, hola, me llamo Esteban. All right, so what are the what are the three languages you just spoke? Czech and Spanish, and then English, of course. Czech now is, why would you learn Czech? I mean, I'm sure there's a use for it, but what is that use? I went to the Czech National Conservatory for two years to study classical guitar, and, uh, I just ended up learning it. All right, so, well, let's follow this interesting life trajectory that you're on here so all right where, where are you from originally well i'm from here you're from here okay how is it that you end up going from here to czech uh to the czech republic or whatever it is to, to study uh to study something or other classical guitar you said i yeah yeah i got a scholarship to study music when i was 18. all right and so then they send you to the, to the czech republic to study that so how long were you there I was there for two years. All right, and so you learned classical flamenco guitar. You trained in European conservators. So were you aiming for a career as a professional musician? Well, I, I am a professional musician. I play gigs every week, and I teach every week. But, I mean, there's only so much money you can make at music. So it's, now, it's, if I may ask this, now, are you able to support yourself uh, solely by teaching and performing music? Um, there have been periods where I have, but it's right now, right now, no, because... It's just harder for me to get gigs now. And please don't take this the wrong way. I really don't don't mean this to come out uh, snarky or whatever. But, I mean, when you were sort of growing up, did you believe that there was going to be some sort of a flourishing career for you in flamenco guitar? No, no. It's just something that I love to do and that right. I wanted to do because I 
because I love to do it. No, no, no. no, no you know, who, who can disagree with one, one following one's muse? I'm just sort of, again, I'm, I'm really not trying to bust any of it. I think it's cool that if it's a thing you want to do, you study it. And as Stephen King would say, if, uh, you know, if the good Lord gives you something you can do, why on earth wouldn't you do it? I just didn't yeah. know, I wondered if you'd sort of anticipated that in the future you would end up having to get kind of a straight gig. I didn't, I didn't do it because I expected to make any money at it. And All right, then. That's, that's why, you know, but, so I ended up this summer needing a job. I just got out of college, and I needed a job. And car sales, they'll give a job to anybody right now because it's, it's I mean. It's a bit of a I challenge music right was now. a tough gig. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, let's go through this real quickly. So it says, you have experience in many fields such as, okay, you're a music teacher, criminal justice. Yeah, I did an internship at a juvie hall, and I worked at the, in the Mexican consulate in the penal protection office for a while. Who are you? Uh, that is so bizarre. Uh, really, do you have aliases? Are you like really like, is it, are you a mole for the CIA or something? You're uh, like that guy in the equalizer. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. He says radio. What else? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I had some training in, in uh, radio programming, and I know how to use sound programs and and so yeah. when you say radio, so in radio programming, in terms of uh, audio production, things of that nature? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. like, uh, you know, Pro Tools and those those kind of programs. All right, and then it says you have experience in sales as well. Please to explain. Well, that's that's just recently. That's been my gig selling cars, which I've done over this summer. And now, did you sell a, a Chevy? You said it sold a Chevy Tahoe. Uh, did you sell that as a private citizen or as part of a business? I sold that as a Chevy dealer. All right. Well, you know what? Good for you. i got to say, we admire anybody who can make... You know what? Selling anything is difficult. Sales is a tough racket. I couldn't do it. I tried. I failed at that a long time ago. Uh, knew enough not to go back. Um, all right. So what would you say... Let me ask you this. What would your opening line be to a client of whatever type of business you'd like to choose? What is your opening line to a prospective client for this radio station whom you are cold calling? I'd say... Wouldn't you like it if your listener base of your advertising was more devoted, more devoted? So, you know, I mean, the, the FM radio stations, they have people that just listen for a second, but people on 970 listen all day. Excellent. And I like the content we're hearing. And I also, let me just say this, I like the way you started it with a question. Uh, because a lot of times salespeople will say, like, hello, or how are you doing today? Or they'll say, like, can I tell you, here's an awkward story. I used to work at another radio station a long time ago, and I worked uh, sort of in the cubicle next to a guy, and I swear to God, I heard him start a sales call, like a cold call on the phone, which is hard anyway. I heard him start a call this way. I won't use his name. But he called a guy, and all I heard was the sales dude's end of the conversation. And first of all, he got the guy's name wrong. Uh, and he said, uh, hello, Mr. Smythe? Uh, Mr. Smythe? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Smith. Um... Hey, uh, I'm calling from K blah, blah, blah. Uh, can I sell you some advertising? And then just, hello? Hello? Ah, crap. And then he's hung up. So that's it. So I like the way you started with the question. That's a good way to control the conversation. If well, we what, I've, what I've found in sales is that once you get people, I just, I tried to use questions a lot when I was in, in the car sales. And I get them going, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to get better gas mileage? Yes. Wouldn't you like to, would you like to have a more comfortable car? Yes. Wouldn't you like to have a lower payment? Yes. Wouldn't you like to do this? And then they say yes so many times that, by the time you go around, so will you sign here? Yes. All right, dude, you're one of the you're one of the five that are coming to the studio right now. So I don't need to hear another thing. You're gold. Uh, All right. You I'm, did it. You know, total. I don't know who else we're gonna pick, but you're one of the five that's coming in. I'll tell you that right now. You're fantastic. Well done. I can't wait. I can't All wait. right, I'm pushing on hold. Richie, make sure we got that guy's information, and we're gonna bring him in uh, probably late uh, next week. Excellent. That he had no, he had no, me. 
at that mm-hmm. right there when he does the starting with a question and then going, you know, like the series of yes uh, answers. Plus his background, it shows that he's versatile and is willing to try anything. And I kind of want to meet him. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Seriously, I, wor- I was uh, learning flamenco guitar and then also uh, I'm a flautist and then I worked at the uh, Mexican uh, penal consulate. I mean, I don't even... I really just want to like be in a room with that guy. I I suspect he's one of those dudes that could kill you like 15 different ways with a pencil if you crossed him. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill... CNN Radio Correspondent, Bob Costantini. Good afternoon, Rick. Hello, Bob. How are you today? Good, good. Are uh, to the conventions? Am I? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? I mean, yes, in the sense that I'm exhausted from having to follow it and watch it and really write down notes and... Having the setting up, you know, it's like in your email. Sometimes you'll set a specific filter, uh, like if you get a lot of spam or just emails from somebody, you're like, I'm sick of this guy. And so sometimes you'll go into your email account, and I think we've all done this in this room, where you will find certain people from whom you just don't care to receive any more email, yeah. and you will set the specific filter, and you'll do that little phone that you'll fill out the fields where it says like, uh, you know, any email that arrives from, you know, uh, David Saint David. You know, that's getting routed to my trash, and then apply, and then all future emails from that guy just go into the, the, the bulk folder. I was having to do the last couple of nights which with two things. One, hockey mom, and two, anytime they use the word moose in the same sentence as the words Sarah and Palin. I, I have a cousin like that. I really don't... Uh... <laughs> I, I don't look forward to his emails anymore. That's, you know, the, 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 the glory of technology, Bob, is we no longer have to speak to people yeah. that we find objectionable or irritating. Yes. Uh, so, no, I'm not really tired of the conventions, but I will say I am tired from the conventions. I'll oh, put okay. it that way. Are you actually in the Hill today? Am I misidentifying uh, your location? I'm in the Washington Bureau, okay. which is near the Hill, right by the Hill. Uh, so let me just get your thoughts, first of all, just as a journalist and as an object- uh, objective reporter of uh, you know, of, of the facts and uh, events sure. as they unfold. What is your read last night on John McCain's effectiveness in terms of doing what he needed to do for this fall? Well, he, uh, he served up the red meat uh, to uh, much of the conservative base, if you will, um, did not talk at great length about the economy. He spoke in uh, great generalities, if you will, and uh, in a sense, just as uh, Barack Obama did, said you know how much better things will be, um, but wasn't as specific as um, you know you might want to hear, or that both of them might end up being in a debate if they uh, when they go on one on one in the coming weeks. And so we've got. And I think we, I think it's where a lot of people will will really make up their minds. Those who may be fence sitting. You know, and I I always do, and we've talked about this before, but I always do wonder about these alleged undecided voters, these people that are sort of sitting out there and they're looking at Barack Obama or they're looking at John McCain or maybe they're looking at uh, the Bush administration and Barack Obama, uh, depending, and they're saying, I don't I don't know, I don't see any difference at all. It looks exactly the same to me. And I'm not even necessarily saying there are a lot of differences because I think that the, the parties in this country are much closer, uh, obviously, than they would like us to believe they are. Um, but that being said, it does seem like there is a perceived difference in terms of maybe persona or culture or whatever. So I just I don't understand where they find all these alleged undecideds. Just, have you met any of them? It's always the 10, 12 percent uh, squishy in the middle <laughs> um, that uh, if you if you look at the national polls, uh, they kind of go back and forth and they will sway with the conventions. And, uh, you know, they are the folks 
that uh, Sarah Palin in particular seemed to be reaching out to or trying to attract by uh, with some of her zingers uh, on uh, Wednesday night, right. um, you know, this this sort of half-joking but, uh, you know, a knife <laughs> in the back of Obama. I got to tell you, she's, real, she's able to sort of stick it in while, uh, you know, right between the third and fourth ribs while she's sort of grinning at you the whole time. She was a hockey mom with a high stick, that's for sure, on the head. <laughs> Did you come up with that yourself? <laughs> yes, I just thought of that. <laughs> How do you feel about that phrase, having said I, it? I, I am not sure. Yeah. <laughs> You, you'll let me know, I'm sure. Uh, let me let me ask you a question. This is just no. your initial thoughts on this. Um, from your vantage point, as somebody who's observed politics and you know, kind of knows what he's talking about, as opposed to me, I just I'm just sort of here, just running my running my jaws. But how is Joe Biden, who you know, from all accounts, is kind of a street fighter and really a guy who will sort of brass knuckle you? How is that guy going to handle Sarah Palin when their debate comes up? It seems like it's a little a little tricky for him. Gingerly, as. Uh... As I recall from an old uh, commercial or something, but uh, he will he will have to uh, not appear to be you know smacking her back, if you will, even though she may come up with some of those same lines that she used at the convention. He's he's got to be careful, uh, needless to say, that he doesn't want to seem to be uh, going after a woman, um, you know, who's. Uh, uh, who has has proven herself to be at least likable throughout much of the country, it seems. It is interesting that, you know, she was so aggressive in that speech, and she was yeah. just so forceful that I was wondering if that then made her sort of a fair target. In other words, oh. they you know, over the weekend, they they kept trying to position her as a victim because the media was mean to her and, you know, people weren't nice to her and whatever. And I wonder, after that speech where she was just so, she just brutalized everybody. Yeah. And I, I was watching this at home going, just like, does this mean that America is then not going to mind if she gets a little bloodied up in the debate? I, I, I question whether America will just not mind. Yeah, it's, uh... um, it's, it, there is still, I mean, you can look at it, the double standard in, in so many ways here. But there is a, there is a standard that would probably make, uh, make Joe Biden... Pull a few of his punches if he has to. And he only gets I, one. I, I suppose it'll be very interesting. And he only gets one shot. I mean, right? He, he yeah. gets one vice presidential. That's one debate. vice presidential debate. I have to tell you this, uh, really, and I don't mean to traffic in. Uh, I don't mean to traffic in <laughs> sexism or in uh, vague, uh, overreaching generalizations. But I got to tell you, I be you know he better hope he didn't get his clock clean by a girl because if he does, he will never be able to go home. He'll never be able to go back to work. He won't be able to ride a bus for well, the rest of his life. Well, now you're really asking for. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I mean, no, but there was. I mean, there was that great episode of The West Wing. If you remember, there was that episode of the second season of The West Wing where Rob Lowe goes on Capital Beat or whatever that whatever that show is. You know, Sam Seaborn goes on there, and Ted McGinley is the moderator, and they bring on I forget her name, but uh, uh, the, the, her, Ainsley Hayes was the character. Mm -hmm. And she's this sort of, you know, kind of cute, blonde, Republican strategist. Yeah. And she's just schooling him. I mean, she's just reaming him on camera. And there's the great moment where Josh Lyman runs down to Toby Ziegler's office in the, in the West Wing. And he says, hey, come quick. Uh, come quick. Sam's getting his ass kicked by a girl. And, and Toby Ziegler's line is, get the popcorn. And I mean, if, if Joe Biden has his clock cleaned by a girl... Uh, he will. He will just have to go live in the woods for the rest of his life. Well, if anyone um, is uh, capable of suddenly uh, not pulling his punches, it's probably Joe Biden. Oh, I can't wait. I'm getting yeah, my popcorn ready as we speak, Bob. It will be very interesting. All right. Uh, big plans for your weekend. Uh, big plans for the weekend. Uh, my daughter is coming back from uh, college. All right. Well, and, have a uh, have a happy we're reunion. Spend a family sort of weekend and everything else. Uh, everything uh, good there.
at home with the Costantinis. <laughs> All right. Enjoy your weekend, Bob. The reality show. All right. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy <laughs> your weekend. Care. There Thanks. you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob. Uh, and just and to clarify my earlier point, by the way, because I can't wait for that vice presidential that vice presidential debate. I mean, if Joe Biden, I mean, not that this has ever happened, obviously, but if Joe Biden, you know, you, you go you get your clock cleaned by Hillary Clinton, you know, that's being beaten by a woman, whatever. You get your clock uh, cleaned by Margaret Thatcher, that's being beaten by a woman. You get your clock cleaned by Sarah Palin, that's having your clock cleaned by a girl, and they're two very very different things. So that guy's got to be he's got to be in a room right now with the door locked just trying to figure out uh, between himself and his maker exactly how he's going to handle that. That's going to be an awkward night for him. Here's Tim Riley. Bye. Here's a little CBS news for you. A new restaurant and bar and entertainment complex called CBS Scene is opening at Gillette Stadium in Massachusetts. Uh, this is uh, three floors. It has a huge proje projection screen over the main bar wrapping around two walls. It has 24 small screens, and apparently uh, individual flat screens are at every table. State-of-the-art technology allows you to watch whatever you want, including classic television moments from CBS shows that will also be shown on the big screen. So this is at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. So is that a dumb question? Gillette Stadium is what? Is that where somebody does somebody play That's there? That's where the New England Patriots play. All right. So it's but it's a bar inside the stadium. Yes. Well, you got it has three floors. Does CBS own that stadium? No. They, want, apparently, they own this part of the uh, restaurant. I wonder if that's the, uh, maybe do you think it's a prototype or like a chain of those are going to roll out? In fact, they have uh, quarters for their uh, Boston-owned TV stations and radio stations there. Boy, how cool would that be? The centerpiece is uh, to the CBS scene is a spiral staircase that goes three stories high and is covered with high-tech monitors, all in the shape of a CBS eye. So, uh, apparently, yeah, you can watch all the CBS shows that you want. I wonder if and that's... Eat and drink... So maybe if that is if that's successful, maybe they'll put more of those across the country. Uh huh. Where the you first could, one. That, that how righteous would that so be? So they have a website here. It's called cbsscene.com. Right, I'm gonna look at that later on. That'd be really cool though if there were CBS restaurants. Mm -hmm. And so you're sitting there and they're like, uh, you know, the guy bringing you the scotch, and you're sitting there watching like an old, uh, you know, like Murrow broadcast mm -hmm. or something. They're rolling out the red carpet, welcoming stars from across sports, entertainment, and business to celebrate this one of a kind destination. Excellent. Uh, it says book your table now. All right. Fantastic. It's huge. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Moose Hunter. Maverick. All right. Uh, where is the, uh, boy, that is huge. Yeah. Browse that's photos. really cool. So though. go to, uh, cbsscene.com. That is a C-B-S-S-C-E-N-E? Yes. All right. Okay. They're not doing that weird thing where they drop the double letter. No. Right. CBSScene.com. All so right. we need something like that here. We can move right in. Let's put that on. Oh, maybe that's a new building that Matt keeps talking about. <laughs> maybe I'll go, I'll go upstairs and demand it right now. I demand a cafe with a huge photo of myself on the back wall. Uh, all right, let's see here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Rick, how are you? I'm okay, except I leaned on my uh, my mouse button just now, and I fired off that moose sounder for no reason. But... <laughs> no, literally, I was trying to do something else, and I leaned on the button, and all of a sudden... He loves integrity, frugality, and moose too. Total accident. I gotta not leave that. Uh, I gotta gotta not have that one in the chamber. Uh, how can I help you, sir? Well, I just wanted to give in my two cents. Um, I've been doing sales my whole life, and for the last twelve years, I've done collections for a living. And uh, so you must be Mister Popular with everybody you know. <laughs> well, collections is is really nothing more than just sales. It's uh, selling somebody on pain of debt that uh, they they've already incurred. 
But uh, I'll tell you right now, the gentleman you just talked to, uh, that's the biggest fool I ever heard in my life because any salesman knows that Why you're... all the hate, sir? Well, if you ask too many patronizing questions, people will walk away from you. It's not about hate. It's about the fact that he is the epitome of a used car salesman. When you ask questions that are that are patronizing, that uh, only lead oh, – who wouldn't want better gas mileage? Who doesn't want a lower payment? Ask me questions of substance. Ask me what my needs are. If you were to go in and if that gentleman were to go into a prospective client that you want to sell advertising to yes. and they asked him patronizing questions, they're going to tell him, no, get out of my office. Well, I suppose that's a fair point. I mean, obviously, you don't want to I mean, you don't want to be doing something that's like straight out of Zig Ziglar handbook or something. But by the same token, I would say the thing I like about that guy is, A, he had enthusiasm. B, he had a real energy to him. C, yeah. as Tim pointed out. Uh, he wasn't afraid to be adventurous, to try a new thing. I mean, look, he got age of 18, he's moving to the Czech Republic, speaking only English at that time, to, you know, to live in the Czech Republic with apparently no sort of acclimation time beforehand. So he's not afraid to sort of jump into the deep end based on a potential payoff. And I would say this, while I agree with you about not asking too much, would you like to have more money? You know, because a lot of that, you sound too much like a multi-level marketer. I, I do like the idea that he is at least thinking, and I don't mean to sound patronizing about him either, but I like the idea that he is at least thinking about how to be an effective salesperson. And that's all about the general sales manager who sure. takes those uh, raw ideas and refines them. Well, and, and I, I have to admit, I, I, I missed the part that he moved to Czech Republic. Oh, no, he's... That's, yeah. that's impressive. I mean, he, he speaks three languages, and I get that's the feeling a, he's a young guy. I didn't ask, but I get the feeling impressive. he's very young, speaks three languages. Yeah, moved to the Czech Republic at 18... Uh, and then, like, worked at a Mexican consulate or something and, like, now lives back here. So I well, like the idea that he's, he's, that he's got the right notion. Things. He's got moxie. Here's a question I have to ask you. Yes. Did he move to the Czech Republic because he has moxie, or did he move there because he was running from a warrant? And was he there for seven <laughs> years or more? That's a fair question. And uh, you know what? I do believe there's a box on the application form in, w in which you will have to uh, answer that. Thank you. <laughs> have a good one. Bye. The it new CBS scene restaurant has mac and cheese. And uh, cheese chicken breasts. Wait, so let's back up for a second. Mac and cheese. Along with a cheese-crusted chicken breast. I like anything that is cheese. You know, you can sell anything to an American by filling it full of cheese. That's what I was thinking. Or if it's got cheese on it already, finding a place to add more cheese. Mm -hmm. Can I say right now, uh, it might be, uh, mark me as some sort of a uh, some sort of a banjo twanger to, to people, but you know what? Uh, a... Well, everybody know I was going to say about my, uh, you know, my love of the spray cheese. I, there's no kind of cheese that's not bad. There is no bad cheese, even the much maligned Limburger cheese. There is no such thing as bad cheese, my friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you show me the I'm man. For the commercial break, so I can make my macaroni and cheese. Mac and cheese, right there. And I know they Tim. have strawberry cheesecake with macaroon crust. And you, and even cheese in a dessert. Uh, I need to only point you at the at the. Um, um, the uh, the things the uh, the uh, not calzone. What am I trying to say? I need more coffee. The cannoli. I have more coffee. You know, because cannoli is. Point. You, you were talking about macaroni and cheese. And I'm holding it. I'm just like I'm so hungry. Yeah, cannoli is a dessert filled with cheese. And I know Tim, you do like cheese, but because of a dietary necessity, you can't always have it. I have vegan cheese. But see, yeah. So even it's even Tim, the vegan, recognizes the greatness of cheese. This is the power of cheese. And I will also say this. I'm just speaking for myself here. That Pizza Hut thing where they stuffed a crust full of additional cheese, that's a fantastic idea. That is what separates us from communists right there. We find a thing. I mean, think about it. It's a pizza. It's a sea of cheese. A pizza is a lake of cheese. And then they somehow found the idea 
They somehow they, they found the initiative, the gusto, the Yankee ingenuity to take that lake of cheese and fill the circle around that lake with its own kind oh of cheese. Oh, my God, we are breaking. Are you hungry? I'm it, so hungry. It is part of the new CBS scene. Uh, that's pretty big. That is now. Is that an artist rendering? It is. It is no, thing? it's the actual thing with the magic of television and radio. Wait, Meet the joys of food and drink. They're acknowledging radio. Yes. No. Yes. No. Well, they have, they're they're moving. They have studio space with their Boston stations there. So. Hey, final thing about acknowledging radio and and the CBS scene, which is in where you Boston. Uh, Foxborough. I gotta go see that. Uh, two things about that. One, it's great. B, it's fantastic. Why also, can't we have one here. Uh, I don't know. I'll put it on the ne- next time I go to the department head meeting. I'll make that a, a, a demand. I think Matt's got a big uh, bag of wires in the hallway. We can start right now. All we need is a screwdriver and some spackle, Tim, and anything is possible. Some wire strippers. You know, t- uh, Aaron will tell this story probably when he comes in next hour. So Aaron Duran went to the CNN Center in Atlanta because he was there for Dragon Con, and uh, anyway, so he goes to the CNN Center and they were showing him the whole. And uh, here's where Wolf Blitzer broadcasts. And uh, over there, you're going to see the, uh, that's the CNN commissary. And Aaron was like, what's behind that little door? They're like, ah, it's, that's CNN radio. And he said, no, 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 but can I see that? And they're like, no, it's not important. And he asked repeatedly. He even played the affiliate card. He even goes, well, you know, I work with one of your affiliates in Portland, Oregon. Can I see the CNN? And they're like, no, no. It's just a bucket with a mop in it. That's the thing. They, they totally, they didn't, it was so like beneath them, they didn't even want to show him the CNN radio center. Uh, which I get that feeling it really is, yeah, it's just like a dumbwaiter. Yep, this is the magic of television and radio. And food and drinks. I totally want to go to... to it's to a fun and relaxing place. place with the whole family and friends. Is it open now? Yeah, just open. Grand opening this weekend. We must have listeners in Boston. I'm sure we do. Don't you have peoples in Boston, Tim? Yeah, so a little north of there. All right, well, you should send them down there to get the, to uh, take a look at it for us. It says, welcome to CBS Radio Seat. All right, Sarah's going to kill us if we don't let her have mac and cheese. We'll take a break. Back after this, more from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, we'll do today's top five. Aaron Duran will join us in the studio. We'll do High Concept Friday and more. Stay there. Your call's next. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Play with I didn't know we were back. Thank you to the salesperson who is cooking their food, and I can't eat my macaroni yet. Bitter. They should be out selling. That's right. Yeah, no eating. You know, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. We got plenty of people who want to be out selling. You know, they have drive-thrus. That's what I'm saying. That's right, Tim. You know, I don't know that Stan would be here eating right now. Stan would be out closing. Food is for closers. We have to start escalating. First coffee is for closers, then food, then air. Third prize is we kill you. It's, uh, didn't Stalin used to do something? There was something that Stalin used to do. I can't remember the details of it. Because, you know, there's always that thing they say in sales where it's like the lowest 20%, you know, go out or whatever. Or what is that thing at Disneyland? Once every year at Disneyland, they rank which rides are the most popular. And it's like every year the lowest ride just gets kicked. It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever the lowest attended ride at Disneyland is, it's like it just gets the boot. But they were saying that Stalin did something. Stalin did something where... You know, he had, like, all his purge lists. You know, he had, like, 20 million people that had offended him in some way. And so Stalin would just get these big lists of people, 
and he would give them to his sort of lieutenants or whatever, and Stalin would be like, look, uh, I don't like these guys. You get, you go take care of all these people. Go liquidate all these people. We need to start running this place like Stalin. That, I was just gonna, I was gonna lead up to that, Tim. Yeah, a little less talking, a lot more action. <laughs> um, the, uh, but so Stalin would have these huge purge lists, and he would give them to his lieutenants, and he would be like, look, I know it's a lot of people to kill, but I, uh, I mean, maybe if you, uh, you know, maybe if you just skip breakfast and, uh, you know, maybe get something on the road. You know, maybe go out and, uh, you know, maybe take two guns. You know, that might double up. But uh, And then we'll meet back here tomorrow and just see kind of where the killing went. So you just, uh, you know, just go, you know, maybe get, stop for tea if you have to. Uh, and then everybody would come back, and Stalin would find out whoever had killed the fewest people, and then they would be killed. Like, that was, that was like Stalin's thing. It was like some weird... It, Stalin's purges were like some horrible... Um, it was like some horrible reverse telethon or something. And it was like whoever, whatever lieutenant had gotten rid of the fewest enemies, like Stalin would have this guy just uh, stuck in a grave somewhere. So, uh, But you know what they sell on Hawthorne now, Tim? What's and, that? and I'm totally going to get one. They sell busts of Stalin. Yes. I am completely, and they're red, of course. I'm going to buy one, and it's gonna, there's going to be one in my office, one down here. And put one on the table in the conference room. Exactly. With maybe just like some, like some candles around it. All right. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Here uh, is what's coming up later on in the next hour and 15 minutes of this very fine radio program, where you're going to uh, have news with Tim Riley in just a second. I mean, things are just breaking faster than we can uh, report them. I think K2 went out of the business. Their website's been down all day. K- you, our friends at K2? Yes. Well, perhaps uh, perhaps there, there's been a crush of activity on their website because of the accuracy with which they convey the news, Tim. That could be, too. You know, that is the home of Carl Click, an award-winning journalist. He is. Uh, so I watch it every morning. News with Tim Riley. Then we're going to talk to Richie Bristol, who... This is what Richie said to me this morning. Richie comes up and goes, I got this whole Jerry Springer problem, and I need you to help. And I don't know anything beyond that. I think Sarah knows a little bit. I know a bit about it. It's a, it's, it, it's a dilemma that he's in. Do you know t- uh, Richie's dilemma, Tim? I don't know. I'm not familiar with this one. I mean, we all know many his, others. We, we know his dilemma in general. I don't know today's dilemma. So Richie caught me this morning. He's like, I got this Jerry Springer thing, and I don't know what to do. Look at my gut. And honestly, yeah, he, it's a pretty big problem. I didn't even know what to tell him to do. So we will do news. Then we'll talk to Richie. Uh, then Aaron Duran will join us. Uh, let's see. Uh, then we'll do high concept with Aaron. Then the top five. and It's all very uh, whatever. How's your macaroni over there? It's too hot to eat, but it looks delicious. All right, but th- isn't that kind of a, that's when time just draws out like a blade. When your food is so hot and you're looking at it and you're going, oh, we need somebody to blow on it. The, um, <laughs> boy, there's a bad joke I was going to make there. It involved uh, someone, uh, and that would be their sole job. Mm-hmm. Moving on, does anybody know if blowing on your food actually cools it? Is that like a little bit of a, like an old wives tale? That work? Like, if you're blowing on coffee or something, does that make it cooler? No, not blowing on coffee. Well, why wouldn't it work on coffee? Well, it's a liquid. Well, but why would that make any difference? Why, are you saying that blowing on macaroni would cool it, but blowing on coffee would not? I would say blowing on macaroni would cool it before blowing on coffee. Why? Coffee's a liquid. I understand macaroni that. Macaroni's a thing. <laughs> and a mile is long. At the Ministry of Truth, he's Tim Riley. No, from the Ministry of Truth, <laughs> this is Tim Riley. It is Friday, isn't it? Man, if we weren't so antisocial and afraid of human contact, I'd give you a big hug. Here's Tim Riley. Don't you dare. The latest story in the National Enquirer is. Don't look at me! <laughs> the latest story the National Enquirer is working on is that Palin had an affair with uh, her husband Todd's ex business partner. And an Anchorage car wash adventure, we knew that part. But there is an interesting twist, and this just ends. This is breaking, by the way. We want to thank Chris Sneathan from OnTheVig.com, by the way, for tipping us to this. There is an amazing twist because 
It is only rumored that Todd Palin had an Edwards problem. Maybe he had an Elizabeth Edwards problem. They resist getting too caught up in the smarminess until it gets impossible, but it did. Two days ago, Todd's ex-business partner filed an emergency motion to have his divorce papers sealed. Well, yesterday that motion was denied. So denied. So that's just, so. So Sneedon sends me the thing. And his subject line, and I've heard this phrase a lot over the last couple of days, and I think I was saying it on uh, whatever it was on on Wednesday or Thursday after she spoke, and it was just like it just like it is on, like as Vince Vaughn says in Swingers, dude, it's effing on. So what does this mean? Well, so what the deal. Well, well, the story, of course, which again is because she positions herself as the family values uh, candidate, and she has the support of evangelicals for some weird reason. But she positions herself as very, being very much like, you know, she's the, the, the Iraq is the war. The Iraq war is the will of God. The Alaskan pipeline is the will of God. All things she said, by the way. Creationism needs to be taught in schools because it's the will of God and all of that stuff. So she's so much the sort of religious and family values candidate. So the Inquirer and Dorothy Carnes' Harry was sort of hitting on this yesterday. So the Inquirer is working on this story. Uh, this is just uh, an allegation, but the Inquirer is working on this story. John McCain threatened legal action against them. The McCain campaign, yeah, the McCain campaign has already threatened to sue. The story is that Dorothy, uh, Dorothy, that I keep calling her Dorothy Palin, that Sarah Palin was having this affair with uh, her husband's business partner, right? At the old Anchorage car wash. So the uh, McCain campaign threatened to sue. The Inquirer won't back down, which is a bad sign for those folks, by the way. Now, so the guy in question, though, Two to 48 hours ago, files this emergency motion demanding that the court seal the divorce record. So presumably the inquirer can't see what's in there. The court just told him to get bent, which means the divorce record is open, which means the inquirer is going to be able to go look at it and uh, see what else might be out there. So, so thanks to Chris Needham for telling us all about So would the inquirer have an extra or would they put it online? Um, you know, I think, well, they put it online because, you know, they only do that the physical paper once a week. And, I mean, the Inquirer really knows where their bread is buttered right now, and that is – I'm not saying they don't make any money off the paper, because they do, and, I, you know, they probably make some money off the website, because I think there's, like, ads and stuff on there. But, really, the biggest thing the Inquirer's got right now, because, let's be honest, I mean, it's a world of TMZ, it's a world of uh, X10 or whatever that's – X17 and Perez Hilton. And so the thing the Inquirer really, really, really has right now is their reputation. I mean, that's the deal, right? That's, that's what they get paid in. They get paid in reputation, which pays off maybe in money down the line. So apparently, the Republican vice presidential nominee, Sarah Palin, attempted to quietly have her daughter, Bristol, get married before news of her pregnancy leaked out. Mm-hmm. This is what the Inquirer is uh, reporting exclusively. Yeah, she, uh, she demanded, I guess, that the kid get married. Uh, and then Bristol Palin, uh, showing some backbone of her own, uh, I guess refused to do it. And Papa don't preach. Yeah. So, all right. Good thing people listen to Sarah Palin. It's, uh, man, it, it is just... Yeah, I, I, we got 60 more days of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, David Gergen made an observation uh, last night when he was just saying, and, and you know, the, the, the keep in mind. I mean, this this comes from you know this show, which is part of the problem. Uh, we, we 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 claim to solve nothing. We attempt to solve the nothing. The family is embroiled in a vicious war that is now exposing her darkest secrets, threatening to destroy her political career. And so David Gergen said last night, he said, you know, whoever uh, wins this election, I, how are they possibly going to govern? It's just a country where half of everybody hates half of everybody else. Or you know what I mean, where half of the country hates the other half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who, whoever it is that wins, uh, you know, good luck. Good luck trying to stitch up this fading republic of ours. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. I don't know what to say. Somebody broke into a sandwich shop on the Cove, and they broke into an AC duct. Uh, this happened at the city sandwich shop in downtown. 
When they opened the doors, they found the restaurant ransacked and the cash register empty. It looks like they took 20-gallon garbage bags full of stuff and threw it all over the place. Climbing into the air conditioning vent seems like a bad idea because it seems like criminals are kind of dumb and you wouldn't know what sort of vent that is. And you might be climbing into, like, the blending vent. The Hawthorne Bridge will be closed to all traffic Sunday. Bicyclists and pedestrians will also have to find another route over the river. It's going to be closed from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. so the crews can inspect critical weight-bearing parts. Ah, these are, these are called Shreve Trunnions. I would just assume they didn't tell me why they're doing these things. You know what I mean? It, like, if the bridge is about to fall over, I'm not saying it is, but if they're going to inspect some sort of weight-bearing beam or a trunnion or whatever, just say it's for paving. Say it's for a pothole. I don't want to know. I don't want to know a bridge is about to collapse. I uh, I would prefer just to not be privy to that information. Can I please just note that this macaroni and cheese is incredible? You know, can I note it that I hate so you? It is so good. I, it's just like cheesy, wonderful goodness. I'm wishing you death right now. Oh, mm. uh, man, I want macaroni and cheese. But see, the thing is, but I'm really not saying that to have anybody like... After you described that, I want pizza. Like, we were talking about that beautiful pool of cheese and the, like, the, crust edges. The pool of cheese. By the way, I want to be very clear. We are not in any way asking people to bring us food. And I mean that uh, truly, because the thing we've no, learned... Well, <laughs> you're going to gonna have a knuckle sandwich here in a moment. <laughs> uh, the thing we've learned, though, is if we say, like, I'm hungry, I want food, people will bring it to us. And then I feel bad because I'm really not doing that. Because like, I, Dave Zinn never gets any. Yeah, and well, and you know, when there's jackass DJs all over the country that, uh, you know, they just, so I wish uh, somebody bring me uh, some ding-dongs, you know, or whatever. And I don't want to be that guy. And also, you know, we're obviously not using the uh, radio station for that kind of game because that would be wrong. Also, because I got a special way that I make macaroni, so I got to go. I got to make it my own way. I got a whole little uh, special technique. Oh, three boxes. Don't you make it with three boxes? You know. I'm oh, we can, you. We can, hey, I'm not that Mike, I... that Mike's got to go off sometime. No, I. <laughs> Nobody hear your I screams. Make a, I make a giant pot of macaroni and cheese. So I'll cook two Hebrew national hot dogs and stick them in there like chopsticks, and then I'll take bites of the hot dog and then eat the macaroni. Why, why can't there be a weekend macaroni and cheese program? Oh. We ought to have a weekend show, but it's like a reverse. It's like, you know, Lycus does that great show, and it is great. The Tasting Room, mm -hmm. uh, which is on weekends on this fine radio station where he just talks about high-end spirits and wine and liquor and you know, very nice food. It, you know, I, you know I, and I'm too poor and stupid to appreciate any of the stuff that Tom talks about on that show because, you know, he's a man with moneyed tastes and, I, you know, and a refined palate and so forth. And I just don't know. He'll talk about, like, some kind of food or hors d'oeuvre or something and a canapé. And I just, and I'm just sitting, you know, I'm sitting at home with, my like, my bad tuna fish sandwich going, I don't know. We ought to have some reverse of that, though, where it's just like a, like a, a, a show all about bad food, like a show about the common man's food. All right, I'm going to file that away. That's an idea. But no, 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 it's, I only have two boxes, uh, you bastards. And also, I don't use, uh, I use olive oil. That's the thing. I use olive oil instead of milk or butter. Uh, and uh, I don't know, what that, what's that word? Al dente, al dente, whatever. But I, I cook it until it's, I, I don't cook it until it's very soft. The, the, the noodles have got to be just soft enough to eat. I try to keep the noodles very firm. Uh, but yeah, you cook the macaroni until it's just barely soft enough to eat, and then you add olive oil to it, and then you mix in the cheese powder. Nothing ending and then mixing the cheese powder sounds sophisticated, no matter how hard I try. You're listening to KCMD Portland, the province of Rubes. Here's Tim Riley. You're listening to the Splendid Table on National Public Radio. <laughs> Don't you wish that Splendid Table woman, they want to lock her in a room and make her talk about, like, Gino's pizza rolls? Seriously. But, you know, I love that show, and I, I would never eat anything just the way she describes everything. Um, she's great, except that sometimes she'll do, literally, I don't know, I think I always bring this up, but she did a whole hour on salt. We're gonna, salt? Salt? Splen she did a, she did a whole program, The Splendid Table, which is on NPR. Yeah. She had a whole show on salt. 
I mean, literally, she's just, I mean, I know that she makes things sound good, but sometimes you just want to give her what for, you know, because she just sounds so pretentious sometimes. She is like that woman, like if you watch the Food Network, mm-hmm. and I watch the Food Network and the Travel Network, and there's all those different, like there's that guy, what's his name, uh, who does diners, dives, and drives in, drive-ins. Uh, he's a guy with the spiky blonde hair, does the TGI Fridays ads, and he just sort of gr- travels around, does nothing. It's a show all about greasy spoons. He just goes like from one sort of greasy spoon hamburger stand to another. Uh, all over the country, and he's great, and he's just like, I'm going to this... He went to this great place in San Diego called Hodad's, which is a, a place that I've eaten at for years. I mean, it's just one of the best hamburgers I've ever had. And he went there, and the, the gimmick at Hodad's is that the hamburger, which they make, like, from scratch, right there in front of you, it's like six inches high, like you can barely get your mouth around it. I mean, it's fantastic, but it's it's comically large. Um, So there's that guy, what's his name? And he just does greasy spoons and hamburger joints. And then, of course, you know, there's Anthony Bourdain. He does his whole thing. And then there's Dave, what's his name, that does bizarre foods, where he goes to, like, Cambodia and eats, like, horse hoof pie or something. And, and then they got that woman. I forget her name, but she kind of looks like, um, what does she look like? I mean, ah, she's kind of, a, kind of a bigger lady and, you know, long black hair and whatever. Because uh, there's, there's a sort of Latin lady who does the thing. But then there's, like, another bigger woman. And she does a whole splendid table thing where she's just, like, so precious about everything. And uh, today, what we're going to be doing is just taking, um, you know, a little bit of prosciutto. And this is a little uh, recipe that I picked up when I was in Tuscany. And I was in this uh, small village. And, um, you know, I met the local uh, cheese proprietor there. And he had a special batch of brie that he gave me. And it's going to go very well with these water crackers that I've got. And so what we're going to do is the prosciutto, you just take it. And um, a little bit of rosemary. If you can. I'm in a home going, come on. Talk hey, about I took it back to my rickshaw. Right. I mean, happily pulled me through Europe. <laughs> well, I wasn't asking for a dime. And I'm sitting at home just you going... You're talking about cheese, Rick. You're making me hungry still. So. You got macaroni and cheese, sister. You shut now. your crap over there. <laughs> you shut your macaroni Brie hole. Is, isn't Brie one of the greatest things on Brie earth? Brie is fantastic. But meanwhile, I'm sitting on my couch with a box of, like, chicken and a biscuits. I'm like, hey, talk about donuts or something. So she bugs me. And that splendid table woman on NPR did a whole hour about... Salt. I don't think I have the piano music. We used to have this piano music that I used when I was making fun of NPR. But it's... She talked about, it's the most common spice, but the most interesting and crucial of all things in the spice world. Today on The Splendid Table, we're going to talk about, and then she gave like the chemical name, whatever it is, like C532. You know it as table salt. <laughs> this is The Splendid Table. And I'm, at, I'm looking at the radio going, are you effing kidding me? Are you kidding me? So, screw her. Here's Tim Riley. That's pretty amazing. I hope I get to hear that one. It's uh, it makes I mean you uh, you want to sit there and, and I kept go, maybe it's like reverse genius because I kept going back to it to see if she was still say she suckers you in with that voice. I, I kept flipping back over going like is she still talking about salt and she'd be like and so sometimes you can get sea salt and sea salt will come in a little container that lets you grind just as much as you need and I'm just sitting there hitting my head against the dashboard like are you joking? So anyway today what? we're gonna eat out of the garbage in Bangladesh. <laughs> You'll love it. Uh, Tim, you're fantastic. Let's do one more, and then we'll uh, we'll let you go do some uh, do some actual work. <laughs> Not that it matters at this point. Uh, well, Astroland is packing it up for good after a 46-year run on Coney Island. The co-owner, Carol, said the developer forced her hand and gave her no other choice but to shut down. But Borough President Marty Miklovich says he wants Astroland, a Brooklyn treasure, to stay put. Our focus will be to bring a major amusement operator to that space in Coney Island next year because I truly believe that if you can make it in Coney Island, you can make it anywhere. What kind of, it sounds like a New York accent, but it's kind of a weird accent. It is. 
They like cycle, British the Cyclone and the Wonder Wheel will reopen next summer. It's part of the new Coney Island. So, Sarah, you just went there. I was just there. I was actually looking at my pictures, and I have a bunch of pictures of Astroland. Yeah. So that's... And you know what's freak? I hope the freak show, that means the freak show is probably going to go. Oh, that's right. We were going to talk to the guy who runs the freak show. Yeah. I oh. wrote to him. I wonder, was wondering why he didn't write me back. Oh, God. Oh. Maybe they'll take it on the road like Broadway USA. It'll be Freak Show USA. Mm-hmm. Oh. I get the Keller Auditorium. I guess they're doing a, um, um, Heather... My friend Heather saw some, a documentary they're doing on the Discovery Channel interviewing all the freak show people. What's up? I've made a huge mistake. What did you do? We were supposed to call Bob Ralston from Lawrence Welk today. You never mentioned it before. I forgot. Who well, we can do it Monday. Bob Ralston. He's, you know that Lenny D music we play in the break? Uh-huh. On my, in the live reads? He's a guy who does that. He was the, but he was the, uh, the organist and keyboard player for Lawrence Welk on the Lawrence Welk show. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, that's a, yeah, I mean, you made up for it. You're talking about macaroni and cheese. I feel bad. <laughs> Oh, by the way, this guy totally, that's one, he, uh, Ina Garden is her name on the Food Network, the Barefoot Contessa, whatever the hell that means. I mean, that's how you know the show's crap. Even the title is stupid. What is the Barefoot Contessa? I don't know. Sounds like a, sounds like some, uh, well, whatever. All right. She was throwing a strip mall. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, are you going to uh, to work on crap, Tim? I mean, not crap news. <laughs> <Yes>. Things. <laughs> You know what I meant. Stuff. Sure, I will. <laughs> You're smooth, Rick. Hey, who am, who am I to talk, really? I mean, I'm talking about trying to make my cheese powder macaroni better by, like, just... What you're going to do is just, um, you're going to braise it uh, ever so slightly, and then um, you want to eat it while clutching fish sticks in your other hand and watching Hee Haw. <laughs> this is Rick Emerson on the Food Network. All right. Uh, it's Casey going to be Portland. And we need to bring Richie in and help him with his friend. Here's what we have to do. We have to talk about the Richie problem. Aaron Duran, high concept that we have time. Aaron's top five. More news from Tim, and I got these calls. So I will take these calls while Richie Bristol comes to the studio. Richie Bristol, will you join us, please, while I take these calls? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Yo. I wanted to tell you about a uh, truly unhealthy food that has cheese in it. Bring it. Uh, last Christmas, my dad found a recipe from Rachel Ray that was Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't like Brussels sprouts, but he goes, no, really, try it. I think it was 90% sour cream and three kinds of cheese. Oh, that's so <laughs> great. It was one of those things where it was like, yeah, you're eating Brussels sprouts, but my dad told me that it has about 40 grams of fat and like 4,000 calories per serving. Well, that is the great thing about America is you can take something that is presumably healthy and make it absolutely unhealthy. I mean... Well, imp- not only that, but you take something that tastes really nasty and turn it into something that's just glorious. Yeah, Brussels sprouts suck. They're terrible. Uh, well, it's like how when I was a kid, you know... Like, I don't want to start in a whole thing. Like Things I used to hate eating. We can do a high concept on that about crap you will never eat. As, I'm going to write that down. Crap you will never eat now that you're an adult. Never eat. One second. Never eat as adult. That'll be next week's high concept. We don't call about it now, please. Don't email. Save your thoughts. Um, but well, you know, but my parents have this, like they make me eat asparagus, which is just like from that's just like from Hell's Own Gates. That, that that vegetable, I just hate it. And I would watch on TV where they would like the National Cheese Board or whatever would be showing something where like they have the um, the whatever like the, the gravy tureen or whatever of uh, the gravy boat, but of cheese. And there's like some lucky family drowning their asparagus in melted cheese. I mean, Mom, why can't we do that? Because it takes out the vitamins, which is a lie. That's just weird. It takes out the vitamins. And then I would you know have to sit there and eat my crap asparagus. Jesus. All right. Yeah, Thank- when I was growing up, they would uh, steam it so it's basically mush. Yeah, it's just terrible. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Rick. Yo. Um, I was hearing you talking about uh, salt, and I, I thought I might call and recommend a book to you. Is it about salt? Well, the title of it is Salt. So that's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's it's actually I mean I liked it. I read the book. It's about the history of salt and how it's been discovered and how it was used as in commerce and you know for how it was the big monetary system in northern Africa and such and well, southern uh, Europe. I'll give you the the spice trade is interesting. Like the watching the some chick on the Food Network talk about salt for an hour. Not interesting. Hearing on the radio. Not interesting. Now it is interesting to note that uh, of course as we know I do believe that part of the reason that the Queen what's her name Isabella or whatever the hell her name was sent Co- Christopher Columbus around was because they needed to find spices and it's sort of interesting to think that there was a time. If your food tasted bland, that was tough luck, baby. There was, if it tasted like uh, like garbage and mush, there was nothing you could do about it because there were no spices. So it's interesting to think that there was a time when pepper, like black pepper, was exotic because before that, your food just tasted however it tasted. Well, I always had you know a thought that's been in my mind. I thought it'd be maybe your why pepper. Why not? Why is pepper the universal spice? I would Why imagine, is pepper put on everything? I would imagine, just a guess, that it's probably relatively cheap and probably... Uh, occurs all over the world. ...in great abundance. That would be my guess. Yeah. All right. All right. We have to end this. Bye. Thank you. we got to do these calls, then we'll touch to Richie. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I have to agree with you. The Barefoot Contesta won the worst shows ever on the Food Network. Sir, it makes me want to pull my eyes out. My wife loves it. Yeah, of course. I have to watch it because afterwards is uh, Good Eats with Alton Brown, probably the best uh, food shows See, on that, there. But they do that thing, right? So they have, like, the, the sophisticated show, which a, a lot of times, maybe not always, is for women. And then they have, like, the uh, today I'm just going to eat things that have been boiled uh, show, and that's always for dudes. Well, Alton Brown, he, like, describes the science behind cooking. Why why do this and this and that? Right. It's, it's, it's great. Well, anyways, great show, guys. Thank you. Thank uh, you. All right. The gold standard for that is Anthony Bourdain. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I ran into a really great cheese the other day at, um, well, it's, it's at a Freddy's. Mm-hmm. It's, have you ever had Stilton? Have I ever what? Stilton is an English blue cheese. No, but now I have to try it. Oh, yeah, Stilton's really good. All right. But you got to try the blueberry Stilton. Blueberry it's, Stilton. It's like cheese candy. It's full of blueberries. It's not, uh, it's a Stilton cheese that's not been inoculated, so it doesn't have the blue moldy taste. It's just kind of a base, but it is the best cheese. Serve it with pears, and it's just awesome. It's kind of like cheese. It's kind of like candy. It's cheese candy. Yeah. I'm all yeah, over it. Yeah, you don't believe it, it's expensive, so it's not like you can really, I mean, a wheel, say a wheel uh, two foot across, right. maybe, uh, I don't know, five inches tall. Well, you know, but that's why we have jobs, so we can buy cheese, that's, you know? That's true. All right. So and remember, the Blueberry Stilton, they will give you a sample. I'm on it like Blue Bonnet, sir. Thank you. All right. All right, there you go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our intrepid, if perplexing and confusing, uh, PA Richie Bristol. Hello. Hello. The he second was in the kitchen filing been... his nails. Yeah. They were calling me funny. Who? Big Jim and James. They... Because you were filing your nails? They don't file their nails. I call them big apes. I file them. I file my nails. Well, you know what? Your nails are all jagged. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> I don't file my nails. I mean, I just use nail clippers. Well, see, but my but my nails get kind of rough. I mean, they get sort of you know like, and I don't I don't clip them as often as I should, you know. And so then when I do, like I because I and because the thing is because I bite them, and I chew on my nails sometimes not as much as I used to, but I chew on my nails a little bit. But then they get sort of you know, and then it's like, but there's always like the one. Uh, that sort of seems to grow faster than the others for some reason, and then I end up chewing it, and then they're all ragged, and then it's like you know catching on everything, and then you know oh. then you don't even tear it, so yeah. file your nails. That's yeah. a completely manly thing to do. Uh, Aaron Duran helped me just a minute ago. Some chick asked file me. your nails. No, he, oh. uh, some chick asked me to move in, or she wanted to move in, and he answered for me. 
What? What? <laughs> is this what you came in to talk okay, about? Okay, so we no. should start from start no. from the beginning. All right. Okay. We gotta let's maintain it. All right. Steady so, are, are you asking advice from the audience on something? Yeah. yeah okay. So, different. listen carefully now. Uh, Richie Bristol is about to ask for advice on the audience for a personal problem. Uh, the number is 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol needs advice on a personal matter. Richie, go. Okay, we're calling it Prairie Springer. Uh, basically, a friend of mine is, was dating this chick for five months, mm -hmm. and lo and behold, after four months, they find out she's pregnant. So he's been with her for five months. She got pregnant a month ago. Yeah. All well, right. no, no, no. She just had the baby. Just had the baby. So There's they've been together for five months. They found out that, uh, oh, that she see. was four months pregnant after they've been dating for five months. I see. Months. And so now she's had the baby. So now they've been together for nine months. They weren't together. After that, they had issues and they weren't together. But okay. They, let me think. they were dating. She got pregnant. They broke up. She's now She now has the baby. Right. Okay. Uh, well, during the, the time that after they broke up, me and her became friends and started talking because one of my good friends is having a baby with her. So let's back up. So a friend of yours is dating a girl. She got pregnant. They broke up. She still had the baby. Mm-hmm. You are friends with this girl who just had the baby. Yeah. Okay. And she was having my friend's baby. Right. Okay. Uh, so you're friends with both of them. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, and then they weren't friends anymore. They stopped. Sure. They, they broke up. They broke up. She had the baby. You're still friends with both of them. Right. Okay. Uh, well, last night he calls me and he, I guess the Red Cross does those blood tests or something. something like a paternity test? Yeah. 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 And basically the kid's not his. <laughs> Basically. Um, okay, so let's just back up. So, you were friends with a couple. They they got pregnant. Uh, they broke up. She still had the baby. Did they get back together before the baby was born? No. No, they broke okay, up, sounds like. So, they were together. She got pregnant. They broke up. She's had the baby. You were still friends with both of them even after they broke up. Right. And now he just let you know that the baby she had isn't his. It's somebody else's. Right. All right. What is your What is your question? Well, the, the whole thing. I was friends with her because you know he was. She's having. She's the baby's mama of a good friend. Right. Yeah. And that was initially that's what we were friends. About. Right. Yes. And then after a while, well, she said you know she was honest to my friend. Right. And all this stuff. And obviously, she wasn't. She's pregnant. Right. She's having some other guys. Some other guys' kid. Uh -huh. So what is? You, but so what is the thing you need help with? Do I continue being friends with her? Because I guess she's like bombarding Richie. But is she the one? Did she, did she just ask if she could live with you? No, no, no. That's a different girl. Different we'll girl. do okay. that next week. <laughs> Richie. I guess she's, she's bombarding Richie with phone calls and everything, and well, trying to talk to him. He doesn't know whether or not he should be friends did, with her still. Did she know all along it was another guy's kid? No, but she had to have known that it could possibly well be not. So she never bothered to check. This is like Lycus always says. Lycus says every time, get a paternity test. Mm -hmm. Get a. He's, it doesn't matter. He said it doesn't matter if the kid looks like you. All babies look like everybody. Uh, Lycus's whole thing is always, always get a paternity test. But there was a lot of drama around it about the fact that it's his kid, and then after all, she put us all through that. And then it's not. It's not. And I mean, she was lying the whole time, and she was obviously the reason they broke up was because she was hanging out with her ex-boyfriend all the time. She says, and so, "Oh, we're always friends." So it might be his. You know, girls always say, oh, I hang out with my ex. Right. So, anyway, so 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 she didn't maybe know it was another guy's kid, but she knew it could have been. Right. And she let your friend just sort of think it was his. All knowing, She let everybody know that thinking it could have been whatever. Yeah, nobody uh, else. It has to be his. Blah, blah, interesting. Blah, blah, blah. And so I'm kind of like, well, now I kind of feel like short or just not right if I'm not friends with her, but I don't know. Because so, she deceived your friend. Is your friend pretty bummed out? No, we we're celebrating. <laughs> well, because he didn't, because he probably didn't. Did he not want the kid? Did he not want to be a dad? Uh, no, he's with somebody else now. And, all right. 
All right. Oh, so, I bet his girlfriend is stoked. And so, oh, the, yeah. And, <laughs> she texts me too. Woo-hoo. And so the question is then, is, does the, do people believe that you ought to remain friends with this woman? Yeah. Do you guys spend right. time together as friends or did you? Uh, she bought me dinner on uh, my birthday. Well, she was the only one. All right, should we take? Uh, should we take? Uh, should we take calls? Yeah, let's get some advice. All right, we'll just do an insta poll on this. What is your advice for Richie Bristol on this issue? Shun the slut. <laughs> right. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Richie. Run, run, run. Don't get involved with this girl. Next thing you know, it'll be spawn of Richie. That's what uh, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Seriously, do and you haven't, have you? No, no, all no. All right, all right. Has it come close? Has she tried to kiss you or anything? No, no, no. But I mean, she totally has me. No, he was trying to hook me up with her. And I'm like, I'm not going to be with a chick that's having your baby. Come on. But now it's not her baby. It's baby. Yeah, but you wouldn't anyway, though, right? Heck no. All right. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Your advice for Richie. Well, did he like her before? We hung out a few times. She's fun, drunk. Would you have been friends with her? Would you be friends with her if she hadn't been your your friend's girl? Probably even more so because she wouldn't have been my friend's girl and not pregnant with my friend. All right. but But I mean, in other words, if you're just some girl you just ran into at a bar one night, you'd like her? Uh, for a week. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Is she hot? Mm, cute enough. Definitely. Cute enough. <laughs> Sir? Well, I guess taking it day by day. All right. Thank you. Day, All right. Um, and my question would be, I mean, have you talked to her and, and you know, and, like, really, like, said to her, like, look, I, I feel like you were sort of dishonest or, or whatever? Have you addressed it with her? Because who knows? Because I'm saying uh, maybe she has a different side that you haven't heard. Maybe uh, there's uh, information... That, and I'm not saying your friend's lying, but maybe she has her own take on things. I've only did one message, and that was saying it. So, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, I would suggest you talk to her because who knows? Maybe she. Uh, I trust what he's saying. I mean, he read it verbatim off the Red Cross thing, saying 100 percent conclusive that it's not your. But I guess what I'm saying is maybe there is some alternate explanation she might have for why she didn't tell it. I mean, I can't think what it is, but maybe you should ask. But well, my point is, her ex is a loser, and he's got money. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What is your advice for Richie? One, get in the car and drive as fast as you can and turn on your own station in the 3 o'clock hour and listen to like Dude, it. Dude, you really know. It's really? true. At a fair point. Yeah. All right. Totally. Excellent. Thank you. We'll do three more. Uh, the, the audience has to be trending towards Shun. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Good afternoon. Richie, that begs the question, do you have any desire, aspiration, or whatever to get with this woman in the, let's say, biblical sense? Uh, says if she loses her weight. <laughs> What's the nice well, thing you I will mean, if, you want? No, to I'm just kidding. No, she she. Well, no, I don't know because she doesn't have a baby with my friend. So it, wait. So the well, issue. If, if, if you have no aspiration to be getting with this woman in a biblical sense, why are you having to subject yourself to all the drama? I was actually going to say, think, why are you turning into a woman uh, for this yeah, if you don't? Exactly. If there's no, no upside for you. Well, she was crying. I mean, she was needed uh, to talk to somebody. And crying is emotional blackmail. I know, mm-hmm. but I thought she was my best, one of Crying my best friends. Crying is manipulation. Baby's mama, so I was going to oh, be there for her. Richie needs the girl up there. That's Thanks, what I'm Rick. saying. Thank you. All right, three more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hey. Uh, yeah. Richie, you totally should already know the answer because, first of all, she's a drama queen. How do you, in a month of being together, just, oh, whoops, uh, now I'm pregnant, number one. Number two, did it with someone else, obviously, got pregnant with somebody else. And now your friend, you have the loyalties to anyway, does not even want to be around this girl and her insanity. So, yeah, be on the phone. Like, be nice with her on the phone once in a while, but you're not going to be, like, best friends with this girl. All right. Thank you. Thank Uh, you. Two more. It seems just like you'd be inserting yourself into a bad situation. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. 
Yeah, I'd say if if she hasn't done done you dirty, then yeah, you can be her friend. But uh, if it's uh, gonna sour your relationship with your buddy, then yeah. Well, that's means. a fair question. What? Yeah, is it gonna ruin your relationship with the guy? I don't think so. He was trying to hook me up with her. Yeah, that's oh. weird. Your friends are weird, man. <laughs> All right. Hey, Nick? Rick. Yeah. Um, a little off subject. I have an answer for you about the uh, um, how the Nintendo gun works from a long time ago. Okay, go. It's uh, it's not a sensor on the TV. It's in the gun itself. Uh, if you notice, when the ducks get shot, a little white square right. flashes around them. Right. If the gun sees that square, it counts it. Oh, all right then. Thank there you, you sir. Go. <laughs> all right, one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, Richie. Take the poodle back, let her keep the sausage, and run, baby, run. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, my friend. All right. I would say my own opinion. I would talk to her very plainly, very uh, plain-spokenly, you know, very bluntly. You don't have to be rude. But I would speak to her very directly and be like, look, here's, here's what he says. Here's what appears to be facts. Uh, what, is, what is the deal? To hear her side of it. And then, uh, you know, and then just go with your, go with your gut, my friend. Go with your gut. Sarah? Uh, I'm leaning more toward the like as well. I just say, you know what, if you guys weren't that close to begin with, and if she did do that to your friend, and she seems kind of scandalous doing that, I just say stay away. That's that's my opinion. Because it seems like she's trying to rope you in, and who knows if she's just trying to... Like, I mean, I'm sure you guys have a real friendship, but I mean, who knows if she's trying to use you to get back at her ex-boyfriend, or... You know, it seems like you could be easily used as a pawn. I would say that uh, drama is sort of like a La Brea tar pit. You know what I mean? You step into it, maybe you can pull that foot back out, maybe you don't pull the foot out, and they find you in a thousand years all solidified. <laughs> Most of the time, it's best not to get involved. Avoid drama when possible. All right. All right. Thank you, Richie. Thank you, everybody. All right. Let's have uh, Aaron Duran join us in the studio now. We didn't even get to the thing about some girl that wants to live with him. I just don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand that either. I don't understand a lot of things that happen on this show. Oh, my right. God, are you okay? Wait, hold on. Let me uh, for, let me find, I don't know, let me find the geek sounder here. Hold on a second. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show from geekinthecity.com, uh, filmfeverradio.com, and rename42nd.org. Hello. Wow. You need, what did you do? What are you doing I, over there? Um, I didn't open the door all the right walked into it. Yeah. Left, right, I'm going to start right saying that. Door. No, no, no. He walked into a door. Don't you ask any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These headphones are squishy. Maybe if you hadn't been talking. Anyway. Oh, you're all complaining. <laughs> Maybe if you hadn't been talking back to the door, that wouldn't have happened. Yet. I wasn't talking back to the door. I was actually running down the hall talking to Chris and Boy about Chrono Trigger. Wow. We were having a... It's a It's a PlayStation. It was a Super Nintendo uh, role-playing game. You know Kristen. She's got a cloud sword. We, so... How's it going, everybody? Wow. <laughs> All things are going fine. Yeah. And, you know, can I just tell you, in the last half hour, we were talking about uh, Richie's personal life, uh, a whole book about salt, the Nintendo gun, something about the spice trade, uh, Sarah Palin, and now you're walking into a door and talking about a Nintendo role-playing game. You smell yeah. like clean laundry. Uh, like Febreze. That's what you smell like. Well, that I don't know why, but this is these are clean clothes. All right. What is that shirt? Hey, what's up with your Chuck Taylors? What are those? Yeah, oh, these at, are my... Let's get a full look at this outfit. Oh, those are like... These uh, are the Sailor Jerry Chucks. Those are like old pinup girl Chuck Taylors. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty righteous. Those are really cool. Yeah, All my right. sister-in-law bought them for me. All and right. this shirt is Cosmic Monkey Comics in Portland. All right, so let's do let's do a few different things here. Um, First of all, you have a top five? Yes, I do. Richie's, Hopefully, he's uploading, doing whatever. I'll try to think of it later on. So here's what I'm going to do. You don't have a review, which is fine. Yeah, nothing came out anyway. You were at Dragon Con. Um, not that I will understand anything you're saying, but what was the what was up at Dragon Con? Um, Dragon, Dragon Con, first of all. Dragon Con is probably the the biggest catch-all pop culture convention in the country. 
like Comic-Con is, you know, comics, and Hollywood's kind of jumped on that one. And then there's Gen Con, which is the old D&D one. Com- uh, Dragon Con kind of grabs it all. You're going to see Battlestar Galactica panels and comic book panels. It's it's the one giant nerd explosion that happens every year in Atlanta. Um, and just, oh, it's the greatest and most embarrassing long Labor Day weekend. I of thought all it was time. just role playing stuff. Oh, I took I'm there uploading. I took 500 photos. Good for you. Yeah, and you were there sort of as a correspondent or a participant. Or? Yeah, yeah, I went there as press. I got to take I got a little press ribbon, which basically allowed me to take photos of many people as I wanted without them giving me dirty looks. Excellent. Because Dragon Con unfortunately also has a lot of rather large, smelly men no. with massive cameras. I can't believe what I'm hearing. That walk up to the scantily clad geek women that once a year dress up as like their favorite Star Trek comic book character. Yeah, yeah, lots of that, and they get. Excuse me, would you mind if I take your picture? And they and it's wow. always. Um, you do that voice really well. Yeah. Well, I know my own. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. Uh-huh. Do you know how many times I heard the word shiny over last weekend? Yeah. Right. It hey, was did, great. Hey, okay, now i got to tell you this. Now you, No one's done this, so you got to do it. Okay. There ought to be uh, uh, Firefly fan clothing called malware. It's a double pun. Yeah, I... I don't... I, malware! Whatever. Fine, jerk. Not every idea can be gold. Right? Yeah, you've pitched that before. Uh, you know, I just, but, you know, those, but those brown coats, they buy anything. Oh, yeah, no, and I saw it, man. I saw them laying out tons of cash. Weedon fans I are saw crazy. People you're, buying... you're talking nerdier. Yeah, you really oh, are. Sorry. Yeah, you got a lot of saliva going on right now. <laughs> I'm also out of breath because I just rode here. All right. Uh, no, I saw people, I saw vendors selling, you know, the blue gloves. Yeah. People just selling blue, late, like they went to the pharmacy and bought a box of blue Playtex gloves. And then made pairs of them. Weedon fans will buy anything. Oh, They'll yeah. buy anything. Blue latex gloves? The bad guys in Firefly wear blue latex gloves. Okay. That's kind of how you can tell. I had a friend And of I mine... did see a new shirt there all the time that says Joss is my we- is my master now. Really? Yeah. Um, I have seen the, it was, whatever it is, it's like, what would Jesus do? But it's like WWJW. It's what would yeah. Joss Whedon do? Yeah. I've seen that when I had a friend of mine who was at BuffyCon. And, uh, oh, she, and she, nerdy. now she calls me. She's like, hey, uh, I'm at BuffyCon. Do you want a gem of Amara? And I was like, well, yes, no, 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 I yes, don't, no, do. that's dumb, no, no. Um, well, here's, here's what you need to know, Sarah, is that lately uh, some of the Star Trek fans, Star Trek fans have started really clamoring for Buffy fans to not, or the Whedon fans, to not be allowed at Star Trek conventions because, quote, the Whedon fans are too weird. So that kind of lets you know where you're... The uh, brown coats are an obsessive group. Um, the to brown the, coats are the Whedon fans? Yeah, that's a, it's a firefly. To their credit, they do a lot of charity work. I still haven't. I, I watched the first three episodes. Well, I didn't finish writing. watch it. Just watch know it. it'll break your heart at the end because they canceled it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, you know, have fun with that. Yeah. yeah. Get get all angry. All right. So we got a couple oh, and things. Yes. I I, uh, I whizzed in the in the stall. Oh, in the Larry Craig stall. Yeah. I am not gay. Yeah, it was fantastic. Was it all you expected it to be? <laughs> it really was. Someone had written GOP on the, on uh-huh. the stall yeah. that just said grand old pedophiles. Wonderful. <laughs> I got that picture. Thank you for sending that. You're to welcome. Me. And I sent it to you, but you you never. No, I never it. get anything. Yeah. Uh, I can't get on my phone. I can't get pictures. Oh, uh, my. You should get an iPhone. No, the I know. Uh, I would if I could use it. No, really, I would if I yeah. could use it at CVS, but I can't. Uh, yeah, my BlackBerry. Uh, it's, it's the corporate edition, and so I think by design, no camera. Uh, uh, can't receive pictures. Can neither take nor receive pictures. That's probably for the best in the corporate phone. They don't want your, you know, documents are drunk at a convention <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Here's me and the secretary. Look at this. I'll forward that was it to like everybody. That's like Richie's. Um, like video recorder thing. Yeah. I'm just like, nope. I, I decided against that. I yeah. opted out. You yeah. lock that up at home. Um, all right. There ought to be an iPhone application that's a drunk dial stopper. I was thinking That'd about really cool. an iPhone app. Somebody do, create their cell And the deal is 
you programming it before you leave home and you set an expiration date. You're like, okay, I'm setting a drunk dial stop, a drunk dial, uh, uh, a drunk dial whatever, a blocker, drunk, uh, drunk dial blocker on my iPhone. And here's how it works. All you do is you go through your address book, and let's be honest, you know who you would drunk dial. You go through, pink, 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 you pick those names, you hit drunk dial on. And what that does is, for the next eight hours, you cannot call those numbers without entering a code. And the deal about the code is, it's not a memorization, it's like a dexterity thing where you have to follow a little block around the screen for like five <laughs> seconds. Because it's a touch phone, right? Yeah, yeah. So you got to like, it's like a Simon Says thing. you got to go dink, 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 and you got to be able to follow the code for five seconds on the screen, the bouncing ball. And if you're drunk, you won't be able to do it, which means you won't be able to call those people. Done. Somebody patent that. Which means, right. I, which means the, the odds of me sending a, a drunken text about doing a shot of tequila with Avery Brooks would only go to Sarah no, and not Sam factor. Adams. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I was in the bathroom at Trader Vic's. And I I'm, detest you. And I'm at the, the, the standing urinals or whatever. And um, I looked up, you know, you look over and you're like, that's... That's Avery Brooks at Cisco! That's freaking the emissary right now. Oh, wait, no, and no, then, no, no. And then I'm like, okay, be cool, be cool. Inside doing that monologue, be cool, man, don't do anything. Don't don't look over either, that's just creepy. Because, you know, curious, because it's, it's Cisco. Right, yeah. It's Hawk. I was just going to say, that is my thing, too, it's Hawk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then we both finished at roughly the same time, washing our hands, and then I, I couldn't handle it anymore. And I looked over and I said, I want you to note that I'm waiting until after we wash our hands to actually say hi to you. And he said... I appreciate that. I appreciate that, soul brother. Yeah. What's his name? Avery Brooks. Yeah. He's badass. Yeah. Man. So you know, the best cool. thing he ever did on that show was when he shaved his head and just went with the bald and yep. then the Van Dyke. And he did that without telling anybody. Yeah. When he had the hair on top, he didn't look all that manly. And they made him do that. And he showed up for filming, you know, starting the new right. season. And they're like, Avery, what'd you do? Shaved my head and grew my goatee. Yeah. But that's not, he says, that's what Cisco would do. So that's he, what Cisco's and he, doing. And at that moment, he looked like a badass. It was, well, then you had Hawk commanding the Defiant. Sure, the big black leather jacket. <laughs> yeah, it was righteous. Right. Uh, okay, we got two things. We got to take a break. Uh, we got uh, the top five, Tim, uh, with news. Now, I wanted to do this high concept thing, but I've also got this uh, business of Coin TV talking about the rename 42nd, um, which is not quite as funny as I was hoping. It's just sort of irritating. Oh, oh yeah. let's not be irritated on a Friday. I mean, we'll play it next time you're on. Sure, why not? It's still going to be irritating then. Yeah. All right. I could, we, I could mock them for months, so it's fine. Should we do a little high concept and break? Yeah. Do we have time? Yeah. All right. Here is your high concept topic. We were alluding to this early on the day. Here's high concept for Friday. It's a bonus high concept. It's like an outtake. Uh, it is a B-side. The high concept is uh, the movie or movie scene that you wish you had seen in the theater when it first came out. In other words... It's a movie or a scene that you love. Maybe it's iconic. It's whatever. But you never really got to see it when it first came out in the theater. You maybe only saw it in a re-release or you only saw it on DVD. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503 High Concept Friday. What is the movie or movie scene you wish you'd been able to experience when it came out in the theater? I was saying earlier for me, the patent speech. Uh, the uh, opening credits to Do the Right Thing, when he says Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant S to me. Straight out racist, the sucker was, simple and plain. Uh, let's see, and or, and my final one is, I got a lot of these, but my other one is the I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore speech. It, I, if I, I'd cut off one of my fingers to be able to go back and to be able to be in the theater to see that I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore speech at a time when no one knew it was coming. So, Aaron? Okay, uh, the one that pops right in my head is uh, from The Exorcist. 
and it's when uh, Reagan is lying on the couch or lying in the bed, right. and she's got the crucifix, yes. and it's the upset. Uh, okay, yeah. yes, <laughs> because I remember hearing reading stories in magazines of people passing out, vomiting, or running from the theater at that scene, and I can't imagine what it would have been like the first time in the '70s seeing a 13-year-old girl do that. I can't imagine. I mean. You know, for people that say, you know, our culture has gotten coarser and we've become more jaded. You know, they'd never do that today. No. They would have to be an X rating immediately. They you know would how many horror movies they would never attend? Like Last House on the Left, they would never film that movie now. I mean, if they tried to do The Exorcist today, not only would they not be allowed to do it, but if they tried to make The Exorcist today, the Republicans would make that a campaign issue. I mean, that'd yeah. be a plank. You know, under our administration, you will not have films with the girls violating blah, 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 blah. Unless blah. Mel Gibson made it. Totally. And then it would be taken to churches. <laughs> uh, Sarah Dillon, movie or scene you wish you could have experienced in the theater? I wish that I could have experienced uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when he's going through the challenges at the end. I would... He kneels! That scene is still to the same yeah. one of the most magical scenes in the movies, especially like when he's um, taking the uh, you know that last part when he's walking across the so-called the invisible leap of path. faith or yeah. whatever, the yeah. leap from the lion's head. Exactly, and when he's doing that, and like he throws the rocks out and everything, yeah. and, like the pebbles, and then walks across and hear the you know hearing the guy say you know you chose poorly. Totally, chose poorly. yeah. I yeah. would love to have seen that on the big screen. I saw it in the theater, and I had again it was I had the advantage of being in the pre-internet age, and we didn't know anything. We had no spoilers, nothing. And yeah. so when he throws the dust, and you see that rock bridge, you're like, oh that god! Is so, so cool. I, I've watched it like yeah. a few months ago, and it's still just as cool. And it's, it's not so CGI. Cool. It's a matte painting, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's genius. Excellent. Good choice. All right. Uh, uh, it's High Concept Friday. Uh, what movie or scene do you wish you could have experienced in the theater? And I've seen them on the re-release, but the original Star Wars 77, 78 with the scroll yeah. in and then the Star Destroyer coming across, oh, that, yeah. that would have to be it. And of course, let's not forget, I am your father. You know, I mean, yeah, to Empire have been there be for awesome that. No, I was there for that. Really? I was, well, I was in I was in the second showing, uh-huh. and uh, Susanville had that guy that came out and spoiled it for everybody in line. Oh, we pulled a Homer Simpson on you? Yeah. Yep, and these two cowboys just beat his ass. It was oh, glorious. Good, excellent. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. All right. You know, I had to watch. I mean, I told this. I never got to see any of the um, the first three in the theater, yeah. uh, not to the re-releases, because my mom, you know, blah. The only force is Jesus, and so I had to watch them on these bad Betamax bootlegs that this kid across the street Shane had. I don't know where he got them, China or someplace, <laughs> but he had these horrible Betamax bootlegs, and I had to see them all over at his house in this tiny ass little screen. Oh my! Did I tell you that somebody legally distinct for me at Coney Island uh, got a copy of The Dark Knight for five dollars? That's in perfect condition. Really? Good for her. You, her. Hi, you're on the Rick Everson Show. What movie scene do you wish you could have experienced in the theater? Any scene from Office Space. Ah, uh, yeah, scene. That's another one. I was there. Me and three other people oh, in the theater. You bastard. No, it was. I say it was the first week. It was the first month I moved here. It was the month I moved to Portland. Laura and I go way out on 82nd, I think, or wherever, and we see Office Space, and literally it was it was me and my wife and like fewer than ten other people. I know. I heard that there was like three people in the average. Bomb. Theater. There's no one there. The best. I mean, that is the perfect example of a flawless film. Yeah. Absolutely flawless. To be, yeah, that sequence when they do the printer beat down. <laughs> I leaned over to Laura and I'm like, this is the best movie ever made. And, and also that scene where says, what is it that you say you do yeah. here, really? Excellent. Just brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. High Concept Friday. What movie scene do you wish you'd experienced in the theater? Is it me? Yes, it is. Hello. I would have liked to see the uh, fight scene in Rocky Four against Ivan Drago. Yeah. Sweet. It's a little before my time, but that's my favorite movie, and it would have been awesome to see on big screen. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yep. I wish I could have seen the original Rocky. That would have been cool, yeah. You know, they, there were reports that on repeated viewings of that, like the second time dudes come to see Rocky, that they they would stand on their chairs and cheer just at the opening you know, Yeah. You know? Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. What movie scene do you wish you'd uh, experience in the theater? 
Hello, is this me? Yes, it is. Hello. Hey, Forrest Gump. By the time I saw it, everything was so cliche that it wasn't any fun to watch. That's but true. I saw it in the theater. Seeing things before they become a, a, a punchline. Oh, you know I never thought of that because when I saw Forrest Gump, it was a year later on VHS. I remember thinking, what's the big deal? And maybe yeah. because I'd been told that it was groundbreaking so that's, much. Yeah, and that's the thing. You see it in the theater before those things become catchphrases, like the life is like a box of chocolates or whatever. Yeah, fair point. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'll do like one more back here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What movie scene do you wish you'd experienced in the theater? I wish I could. Okay, in what world did you think that was ever going to make it on the air? Seriously. And people, the people well, I mean, are the problem. All in right. a way, he had a good point. If he hadn't crossed the line, because oh, yeah. in a way, in cinema, that was shocking. It if was. he didn't, like, if he yeah. didn't pull a Duran. Uh, I wish right. he would have just used a different word, and then everyone would have said that. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Ruin the fun for everybody. Hi, uh, two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What movie scene do you wish you'd experienced on the big screen? The chestburster scene from Alien. Oh, yeah. good one, dude. Yeah, because yeah. again, by the time I saw Alien, and Alien certainly, uh, that was well known. You knew it was coming. Can you imagine how much that effed people up? Oh, I could. They mentioned it in the commentary, especially because they didn't tell the actress that she was going to get sheets oh. blood squirted on her face. Oh. Yeah, it was the, a total surprise to everybody. Yeah. Oh. The only one that knew was John Hurt. No oh. one else knew it was going to happen. Good one, sir. Well done. Thank you. Oh, I'd give anything to go back and see one more. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, what movie scene do you wish you'd experience on the big screen? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, good one. All right. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Yep. Let me just close by saying I would like to have seen Montana. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back after this. Aaron Duran, Tim Riley, Top 5, and so forth. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. In mere moments, Tim Riley rejoins us with headlines. Uh, then Aaron Duran will have our top five today. Top five righteous metal anthems to blare in the background of a D&D game as deduced by all the dudes at Dragon Con 2008. Uh, uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from our sister station, Rock 101 KUFO, 7 to midnight tonight, Court and Fatboy. Hello. Hello. Hey, how you doing, man? Hola. What's up? Uh, tonight at uh, 11 o'clock, we're going to be showing on the big screen at the Baghdad Theater, three bucks to get in, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. However, yes, the three bucks is... Uh, it's optional if yeah. you happen to have hair on your face. If you can right. rock a mustache, Burt Reynolds style. Yeah. Then you get in for free. Yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, there is. Because if you go to courtandfatboy.com, you can download a mustache. You tape it to your face, show up at the box office. Yeah, downloadable mustaches. Yeah. That's Court and Fatboy style innovation. There you go. Or if you're right. one of those hirsute women, you can show up with your actual mustache the one night of the year that you won't be clowned for having hair on your upper lip. So, is there going to be a, a little Jerry Reed tribute tonight? Uh, No. No, not really, no. Okay, no. never mind. Uh, Sorry, I was trying to do an alley-oop there. I no, was, no, no, no. In other no. words, no oop. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of leave leave the dead man there. Right. He's like a point guard on a high-life field. <laughs> All right. He's trying to throw the oop, nothing there. Sorry. All right. uh, so broadcasting live all night. Movie starts at 11. Yep. Uh, Baghdad Theater tonight. Yeah. Uh, three bucks, optional, uh, blah, 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 hair on your face, etc., etc. <laughs> You're listening for details. Rock 101, KUFO, 7 to midnight tonight. The midnight movie, Smoking the Bandit, Court and Fatboy. There you go. Thanks. Right, thank you. Later. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A pregnant Medford woman has been sentenced to 30 days in jail and fined $38,000 for blinding a Grants Pass man during a barroom brawl. 23-year-old Megan Teresa Whitehead broke a beer bottle over her 21-year-old Anthony Thayer's head. She stabbed him in the face several times. Wow. Mm-hmm. I won't be stabbed in the face. It hasn't a face? And she's pregnant, too, in a bar, having brawls. <laughs> Uh, Thayer had tried to break up a fight between Whitehead's boyfriend and two other men. Thayer's mother told the judge during sentencing that her son is blind in one eye and has endured six surgeries, another one scheduled in just weeks. 
The judge told Whitehead she will never be able to repay the damage she has done. She's expecting to have her jailhouse baby in November. The musical 9 to 5 opens at the uh, Center Theater's Amundsen Theater in Los Angeles this weekend, featuring 19 original songs by Dolly Parton, who starred in the original Fantastic. movie. With Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, Dolly said she's written a song for just about every character in this production. I've written songs for the boss. I've written songs uh, for Roz, you know, the, or the company spy. You know, she's the one that's in love with the boss. I wrote a fun little thing for her called Red Hot Mama. Of course, I write songs for the whole office, like A Well-Oiled Machine is one of the songs. Backwoods Barbie is actually a song that Dora Lee, the little character that I played, the country girl where they were mistreating her. I'm sorry I missed her when she was here. I God, love, I love her I so love much. Dolly Hearing Parton. her speak, it's like a voice yeah. from heaven. That's right. All right. That's it for now. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Back Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Uh, top of the hour all the way through like us. It looks just like skinny and sweet. Enjoy uh, your bike riding this weekend, Tim. Yeah, Tim. I certainly will. Excellent. Are you riding your Five, bike? Four, uh, who? Who are you three, talking you, to? You know two, the answer to that. One, <laughs> no, no, no. I'll be at home reading all about salt. That sounded interesting. That was the best call. It does sound interesting, actually. I, kind of want to read about it. I googled it. The, the best part is when I asked her the book was up, and he goes, well, it's called Salt. So, uh, excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley will be back later on this afternoon with the news as only he can give it. This, however, is Aaron Duran with today's Top 5. That's right. Not since, uh, I choke right on the opening bell there. Way to go. Nothing goes better than a D&D and Warhammer than wanky metal prod rock. So as uh, collected by the, i got to make sure I get this right, otherwise they'll kill me, the 315th Holy Imperial Heavy Ballista Battalion mm -hmm. from uh, the 2008 Dragon Con Convention, these are the top five metal songs with which to pwn D&D and Warhammer noobs. And these are, wow, <laughs> and these are clean? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, the, only one of them required beeping. All right. Uh, honorable mention. Honorable mention is Sleep Isabella by Abney Park. I have no idea who this is. Uh, you probably don't. They are a local band. They, band. They're up in Seattle, and they played at Dragon Con, which is why they're on honorable mention, because half of the gamers were members of the band and demanded that I include them. These guys sound like a band that, um, uh, unfortunate name. There's a band called Miranda Sex Garden. Terrible, terrible name. Uh, but they have some music that kind of sounds like this. These guys, their their gimmick is that um, if that kind of steampunk Jules Verne type imagery had actually happened, right. they would have been airship pirates that had their own band. And their concerts are really cool because they have all these steampunk outfits. So they have Tesla coil powered keyboards and. Is there a hot Steam chick in this band? There's like three hot That's chicks. Say, can't you just listen to this and you just know there's a hot chick in the like band? Like doing belly dance? Totally. Uh, gypsy spinning with a violin, yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> a soundtrack to Anne Rice's beauty books. Oh, yes it is. Not, not that I would know. Sorry. Uh, Alright. At number five, we've got Heroes of Our Time by Dragon Force. Dragon Force of Guitar Hero 3 fame? The only reason why they are popular is because of Guitar Hero 3. Of how can anybody on earth possibly play that this? fame? <laughs> I mean, listen to this. This is just showing off. <laughs> and this is a small Asian man doing it. That sounds cool. It's insane. It's like, look at how talented we are. I mean, <laughs> it is cool. Dragon Force. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I 
How great is that? <laughs> My head feels like it wants to explode. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think this is sort of like um, taking a lot of meth and then a lot of like uh, really high potency cocaine or something all at once. Yeah, I don't so know. So it's like angry but really energetic and speedy angry. It should be noted this song is all about like saving the princess. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Seriously. It's like you just... Can we just have a top five of just this band? We could do that. Yeah. It's like the, but it's like you dosed all the Dream Theater guys with some high-quality amphetamines. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. Uh, at number four, it is the Holy Diver cover by Kill Switch Engage. I like Kill Switch Engage. Yeah. Now, I'd heard a rumor that the, the lead singer had died. I didn't hear that rumor. I hope well, not. They, well, they switched lead singers at one point. Uh, if I'm correct about this, the uh, the first album that Killswitch Engage put out had a different singer. They switched up singers for their second album, oh. which is the end of uh, like the end of Heartache, I think. Okay. No, I dig them though. So end of Silence, something like that. Has that song When You Call on the Dark, which is really good. No, that's Dante. What am I saying? I don't when know. When Darkness what. Falls is the song I'm thinking of. Yeah. This was playing as they were doing some Warhammer. Now, there's this song. They do this song called When Darkness Falls, and you listen to it, and I know I'm way past the demo, but you listen back to it, and do you ever hear a song like that, a metal song especially, and you go, if I was 16, this would be the best thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah, so I think they switched up singers on their second album, so maybe the original guy's dead or maybe something. Maybe that's it, yeah. This video, all shot on a medieval castle, Fantastic. and they're all different, like, PCs in a game. <laughs> Excellent. All right. At number three, we have Master, Passion, Greed by Nightwish. Attention, Chris Morris. No, he hates us. This has the new singer. Oh, really? There was unpleasantness in the land of the umlaut. So this one has the new... The these new guys singer. do the... Uh, these guys... Uh, I first heard these guys, because he talked about it, but I never heard them. They do the closing credits on to that awful movie, The Cave. Nemo. Yeah, they yeah. big <laughs> nerd. And I remember sitting in the theater going like, what the hell is this music? Who is this? And then I read the like, Nightwish. Here it comes. Now, didn't they have a chick singer? Yeah, they still do. Different, it's, a, it's a different one, yeah. Different chick. This song's a dude, though. I feel all jittery. I'm going to skip ahead. It still hasn't started. <laughs> oh, my God. Does this song ever begin? Right there. Oh. Master Passion Creed. Wow. Yeah, it just goes on and on. You know, I all of like these, this song. these songs are all basically that Karina Burana song or whatever yeah, that is. Yeah, with the Lecture the Omen. <laughs> yeah, I don't like this. All right, at number two, Knights of Sidonia by Muse. Oh! My favorite song. I love this I'm song. I'm eating a banana. And it opens with. Pew, pew, pew. I'm eating a banana. I'm oh. Bleeding. Sorry, I didn't trim off the. Um... That's okay. No, Sarah's a big. Uh, Sarah's a big proponent for Muse now. Oh my God. Spreading the Muse word. This is the coolest song. The video is hilarious. Yeah, it's great. I have the European and the U.S. video. Well, you know. Have you seen the video? No. It's like a crazy mixture of like a cowboy movie, but it's like futuristic cowboy but movie. With lasers. Like, it's like Westworld. Lasers and like unicorns and like what? Well, lasers and unicorns. 
I'm I want to live in that world. Well, you know what? Because it's his last day listening to us, and he's a big uh, fan of these guys. This will go out to Mark the Brit. Mark the Brit. Send this one out for you, sir. There you go. You know, there's a three-piece band. Three guys make all this noise. This is a great song. Makes you want to ride on a winged steed. Head and plays. Head and plays. Just putting his hand out as though he's riding a horse, and it would launch off the cliff. And I would blazon my wow. sword plus five. I like the girl flying, flying like this. See? Revolving around her. That's oh, right. That's so cool. The Western Valkyrie coming down from on high. Really? All you need to do right now is say knee. <laughs> Seriously. This you is a great song. the nights to say knee. All right. All right. At number one, I don't think anyone's ever going to dethrone Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Iron Maiden. Yeah. Yes. From the Power Slave album. Based on the... Poem, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. And incorporating, incorporating actually a lot Pretty of much. lines from the poem. Yep. Don't kill an albatross, friends. This is part one of a... Part one is 12 minutes long. Just a lot of galloping metal is what this is. Can we just take this to the end? Your choice. All right. Uh, when are we... Uh, how long do I have here till we're done? Uh, probably no time to be fair to another caller. If you're on hold, my apologies. Richie, if you, will you kindly apologize to the folks who didn't get on today? I'm, Rick Emerson feels bad about that. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Bob Costantini uh, and Steve Katz about to join us today, as well as Court and Fatboy. Their midnight movie is tonight at the Baghdad 11 o'clock. Uh, Smokey the Bandit. Aaron Duran from yes. FilmBeaverRadio.com. New episode now. The new episode will go up this evening, and if you go to GeekandFit.com, I am slowly beginning to upload all 500 photos of Dragon Con. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon for AM 970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, uh, Dave uh, Zinn, webmistress, Richard from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, uh, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Reynolds. See you tomorrow, Monday. Bye. She loves integrity. Oh. There we go.